So this is going to be the worst intro in the history of the show because everything I know about Korea I learned from watching MASH. Korean horror movies and and our favorite Hawkeye Pierce moments on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Now, to kind of tie into our Australian episode we did a couple episodes back, we are going to continue to travel around the world, this time ending up in Korea. And we will enjoy the fine cinema cuisine that Korea has to offer. Uh, These trips around the world would not be possible if it wasn't for our Patreon donators. Uh, You too can help support the show by going to patreon.com backslash a-O-T-K-P. There are different tiers that will get you different perks, including our new $3 tier perk, which gets you access to the exclusive YouTube series called Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten List. What the hell is that, you say? Well, give me three bucks and I'll show you. <laughs> so again, let's go to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P and donate. And we need a few more donators because right now we can't even afford coach seats. They just put us in pet carriers and shove us in the cargo bay. Right. Uh, I fly first class. I don't know what you oh, guys see. God damn it. <laughs> so speaking of Patreon donators, we have a shout out for our newest Patreon donator. Whoa, whoa. Tina Schmidt. So we want to thank you for donating. Heck yeah. And welcome to the club. Exclusive club. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so now if you out there who are listening are a first-time listener to the show, I will explain what Attack of the Killer podcast is all about. We are a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together, pick a topic, and talk about movies within that topic. We talk like a group of horror f- uh, horror fans are just sitting around bullshitting about movies, so there will be spoilers. And now, it's that time, kids. That's right. Time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He thinks the song Gundam Style is soul music. Ted Good, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for not doing a Korean accent. I really appreciate that. Yes, thank you. No, no, not going to do that. (laughs) South Korea's national dish is, is kimchi which is a combination of vegetables and spices that have been fermented underground for months. And just because he has leftovers in a Tupperware container under his bed for about the same amount of time doesn't make it kimchi. Jason Bollinger, everybody! I didn't know where to put it! What's up, everybody? She once visited North Korea. I asked how it was. She said she couldn't complain. Terry Turford! (laughs) (laughs) Hello! Oh my, okay. These jokes don't get much better, I'm just telling you. Um, <laughs> oh, they're jokes, got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try, attempt this pronunciation. So here we go. He loves to run barefoot through Hedsentigang Park. And Hedsentigang means penis. Brian Clark, everybody. 
<laughs> I thought for sure the fermentation joke was coming my way. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so that wraps up everything I know about Korea. So I'll go back to talking about MASH. Did you know MASH stood for Mobile Army Surgical Unit? And first time to the show, our very special guest, Michael Rowland. Hey, um, I think you said Gundam style instead of Gangnam style earlier. Uh, same thing. I caught that okay. too, but I wasn't going to complain about more giant robots. So. <laughs> also, Radar's character in, in MASH is from Otumwa. That's where Jason and I are from. And our other very special guest from the Horror Mafia podcast, Donna Nelly. Hey, how's it going, everyone? What's up? How is everybody doing? We got a full show tonight. This is awesome. I don't know where we're going to put everybody. <laughs> cool. Okay, so <laughs> at this point in the show, I'm going to turn it over to Tad. All right. Well, this week we're doing our segment, um, What We Watched. This segment is pretty simple. I'm just going to sort of ask each member what they've watched that was not part of this week's episode. Can be can be almost anything. TV, movies, um, even if you've read something, uh, share it with us. So I guess I will start with one of our guests, Michael. What did you watch this week? All right. Well, uh, does it make me a bad person if I'm not thinking of horror stuff right now? Because I think I only watched the uh, assigned movies when it comes to horror. No, no, that's no, fine. It's, it's just like our one chance on this show to talk about something other than horror, so go for it. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to talk about something that uh, isn't being talked about enough, and that's Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we talking... What is that? I haven't heard of them. I've heard of yeah. those. They're sort of in... Some kind uh, of art film? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Justice League's um, part of that, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a league. It is a league of justice, if you will. Um... No, I saw Thor Ragnarok and the um, the new one, uh, Avengers: Infinity War, and I've been kind of getting sick of those movies for a while, but I enjoyed both of those quite a bit. Um, also, reading a book about comics called Why Comics, and I'm hearing about a lot of cool titles that I'm going to check out later. But yeah, the book does answer why comics. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool book. It's about time. That would be disappointing <laughs> if it didn't. <laughs> It's working. It's working its way towards the answer. Off the top of your head, name a couple titles from that book that got you intrigued to read. Um, Persepolis is that how you pronounce it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Can't ask whatever. Mike about pronunciation. Mouse. M a u s. Oh, that is a good one. That's a great one. Um, there's stuff by Allison Bechtel, which I forgot the titles of, but they they're really praising her stuff. Um, this one about teenagers in the suburbs that become freaks uh or zombies or deformed in some way um i forgot the title of it though so uh put that in the show notes when it goes up online (laughs) i know everyone's just wondering about that one you should have paid more attention to the bechdel ones there's a test after (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was just for girls so i didn't want to take it (laughs) mouse is a really good one um that one uh a Pulitzer, actually, so which is really cool. And I can't remember the guy who um, wrote that one, but uh, he was also the guy who wrote that one was also one of the uh, creators of the Garbage Pail Kids. So there you go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. I, uh, I also, I think probably almost everybody saw Infinity War, but I think, uh, since it's probably been talked to death, I, I will say that Thor Ragnarok was so fucking fantastic. Yeah, I love yeah. I, I love them all, so whatever. That's actually why we were late calling you guys, because I hadn't seen Mike since I, we, I'd watched Infinity War. So we were, and I've been holding it in for like a week, because I saw it a week before him. Just dying to let it out, and so finally... I got to. Uh, we got to talk about that a little bit. So, pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Well, that will be a good segue, um, Mike. What did you see? Uh, what I watched last week, I watched that new doc, um, seventy-eight fifty-two Hitchcock shower scene. I've been oh wanting to see it. Yeah. Well, the um, the director was on um, the movie Crypt a few episodes ago. Alexander, how- Jason, where is it? Oh, oh, Alexandra Philip Philippi, yeah. Um, and so it it got me really excited to see it, and it's awesome. I, Terry, you you would love it if you haven't seen it yet. It's you know it's in my list. Oh, I, it's, it's on Hulu. Right? It's on Hulu now. Yeah. So oh, nice. So definitely check it out. You would totally dig it. It's just it's so cool seeing all these people. Everybody from like, um, um, um. <laughs> Elijah Woods and his his crew of the guys that do that do their horror film production company to like um, uh, Peter, Peter Don, Bogdanovich, uh, mm-hmm. um, just all of these people just talking about, and it's an hour and a half long of everybody just talking and picking apart this one scene from the movie, just all of it talking about the shower scene and its cultural significance and like. Um, what things mean, like, uh, it, there's a really cool part that really stuck in my mind. The picture that uh, Norman Bates removes off the wall and when he peeks in through the bathroom, has there's a special significance to the picture that was on the wall. And just, you know, the the metaphor of the rain in the, in the movie and the metaphor of her in the shower in the movie... Um, it's it's a great great doc. It was, it was very cool, um, and it just amazes me. A uh, feature length documentary talking about one scene of an entire movie. Seventy eight so. camera setups and fifty two edits over the, those three minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <clears throat> so I was hoping it was more about Hitchcock showering, but that's <laughs> <laughs> sequel. <laughs> and and they even talk about in the book they read a segment the chunk of the they read the chunk of the book where about the shower scene and how it's so insignificant in the book but how it's so it's it's such the important moment of the movie and such the standout moment of the whole movie so yeah yeah great great doc that's what I watched excellent um, well Don what did you watch. Well, um, I had a uh, free day for once because I'm usually stuck reviewing or uh, catching up on stuff for the podcast. But um, one of the stuff I did was uh, I finally dived into the two Count Yorga movies from the 1970s. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, part one, it's not bad. It's a serviceable effort. I don't have too many complaints about it. A little dull, but uh, I think it's... Decent enough. Um, I much preferred the sequel. I thought that one was a lot more, lot more fun, and you know, a little bit more lively, a little bit more 
you know, I love that opening scene where the vampires rise out of the grave and attack the little boy. So now you got me all excited to say I haven't actually seen the sequel. I've only seen the first one. Oh, yeah, no, I... <clears throat> Yeah, I saw both. Um, the sequel's really good. I like it. So, uh, yeah. But um, other than that, uh, it's mostly just been uh, catching up on stuff for the show, which you know I can't really talk about now. So, <laughs> yeah, save it for the the rest of the episode. All right. Well, Jason, what did you watch? I watched a bunch of things. Um, one of my favorites. Uh, on uh, Amazon Prime, I watched uh, Into the Forest from 2015. It's directed by Patricia Rosanna. Rosia, I don't know. But it stars Ellen Page and Evan Rachel Wood. And uh, it was super kick-ass. So, like, it's these two sisters. And it's, it's, it's like it takes place in the future, but it feels like today... But it's kind of futuristic the way like, they have their televisions and phones are kind of different and futuristic. But it feels like today. And then all of a sudden the power goes out. And they, they kind of live out in the woods in this cabin, these two sisters and their dad. And the power goes out and it doesn't come back on. And then it's kind of... And really the most of the movie is is these two sisters trying to survive and it feels it eventually starts feeling kind of post-apocalyptic because it the power never comes back on in this world that depends on electricity and and uh super intense quite a thrill ride is it a movie or a show it's a movie okay and um yeah it was super fucking kick-ass and when? How old is it? I haven't yeah, heard of it. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Okay. And uh, Ellen Page, she's she's actually one of the producers. A piece of trivia was that she was inspired to make it because she went to this bookstore and the person running the bookstore is like, "Hey, you should read this book." And Ellen Page is like, "Okay," and she fucking loved it so much. She's like, "I want to make this into a movie." And uh, yeah. Super kick-ass it's on Amazon Prime. Super, super recommend it. It's a great, tense fucking movie. And another thing I watched, uh, Tina and I, we kind of super bulldozed through, finally got the Santa Clarita Diet watched. That's awesome! Right? Love that it's show. It's so fucking good. Both seasons? You got through both seasons? Oh, yeah. Jesus. We just went to town on it. I'd say. It was- you just went to town, huh? Yeah. Oh, this just got fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did I miss? That's the last line of the second season. Oh. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, holy crap. I just, I know I'm, I'm late to the game on this one, but holy fuck, it's the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen. And See, it's all Timothy Oliphant for me. See, and that's the thing. This I, character is... I might agree with you, and I've never been a fan of his... Oh but my he God. is the, he's got the comedy chops, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So good. And I love the two kids. The boy is obviously hilarious because he's kind of a nerdy kid like we he's, all heard. He's so all of us, yeah. Relatable. 
But, uh, oh yeah, we had such fun just plowing through this series. I, I feel so bad for taking so long to get there, but... Uh-huh, you should. Okay, I do. <laughs> How many times did I tell you to watch it? <sighs> My favorite part of season two is bringing back the monotoned, um... Asian girl that works at the store. Yeah. And then how she's got a like this full arc uh, and suddenly she, a character. Yeah. I mean, I loved every time it came back she'd say the same line of like, I noticed you've been standing here for <laughs> a long time, you know. But it's crazy. And she yeah, turns into a character. She's throughout that first season and that's yeah. all she does. She's just working in that store. And then then she shows up as like a has a full arc in the totally. second season. Yeah. It was so good. So funny. Anyway, I loved it. I, I watched, I think I watched the first episode, like, a few weeks ago. <laughs> Are you saying you can't get in? you didn't get into it, or? I, I just don't have time, so I didn't uh, oh. pursue it, but it was good. Like, I had a half hour while, I think, like, putting away laundry or something, and I was like, I'll watch one episode and not have time for it and torture myself, so. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But... Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had a couple more, but if there's time at the end, I can go no, into no, what keep everybody got. Oh. I also, but it was one I was wondering your was thoughts on. Day of the Dead Bloodline? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else watch that yet? I started to watch it and fell asleep. Well, that's, and that's, that doesn't that's mean nothing anything. to do with the movie. Right, yeah. that doesn't mean anything. Glowing review. <laughs> Anybody else? Nobody else? Took a chance on it? No, okay. there's yeah, it's on the very bottom of the list, so I might get to it um, in another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought the concept and trailer was was cool, but I don't have anything good to say. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've heard a lot of that. My it, buddy Brandon described it as Walking Dead for the Twilight crowd. Yeah, that was about enough for me. Yeah, I mean, I made it as far as like the when the out when when it goes from like one person in the morgue to a full on outbreak in like thirty seconds, right? And that's and that's about when I started falling asleep. Right. And what I saw up to that point, I wasn't impressed with. But I, at the same time, I'm like, well, kind of seems like they are doing a prequel they, to George's movie, right? Like the because whole she's opening this, like, medical student and the they, whole first act is not Day of the Dead. It's like night and dawn combined in a first act but with the characters not not straight characters from day of the dead but characters like those in day of the dead right because i don't i don't think it was the same names but once once it got to the bunker once it got to years later and it already had taken over and it was these scientists and army guys uh then it then it finally felt like it was trying to be day of the dead yeah and they had homages to the original in there and stuff, but fuck, man, I, I I tried so hard to not compare it, but like even the main, you're, oh, I can't even explain what Mike's doing to this pizza box. I shouldn't have looked. Um, no, it's it is. Ugh. I am so glad we don't use video chat. I pal. know you should be. You see what I'm seeing. We just anyway. got a little Caesars in town. I'm excited. Um. But like Rhodes, the character Rhodes. Uh, Did they call him Rhodes in the movie? No, oh, okay. I don't think so. But his character in the movie was like uh, five feet tall, and like not. He was he. He didn't have that authority, fucking crazy man, 
uh, he tried to act tough, but oh, it was just not great acting, and I just I wanted to, but it's not so good. It's not so, and the okay. bub stuff was. Well, they even do bub in the movie. Oh yeah, oh it's it's all centered around bub, because you because you know bub from the first act as a human. Oh shit! Really? Uh huh. And he might have the cure in him because he doesn't uh, go after. He he cannot bite you. He like because he's he won't bite you. He chooses not to for this girl that he's in love with. That he's who's the main doctor girl and scientist girl and he. It's so, fucked. So basically, it's a well, little convoluted. I don't want to get into it. it. Never mind. It's, uh, yeah, not so good. But you should watch it because huh? yep, I had to. You, thank you for. And then I also we need to dodge a bullet there. And then we also watched uh, Winchester, and I kind of liked it. I still want to see it. Yeah, it's a decent little jump scare movie. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not going to rock your world but you're not going to want your time back at the end of it either. Yeah. And that's coming from somebody who doesn't even like that kind of movie normally. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was totally pretty good. Uh, the concept's great. The fact that it's kind of based on real stuff is what's fucking scary about it. <clears throat> the concept-wise is great. And yeah, just the trailers looks like it goes down the opposite path of what I, what I wanted out of the movie when I first heard it conceptually. Like... I'd rather just be about this crazy lady building this fucking house, you know? It is. That, that would have been better, but... Yeah. Yeah. But there is an element of that that runs throughout the movie. Like, the house is permanently under construction. So they... Yeah. There's some of that there. Okay, okay. Yeah, she's. it's clear she's, she's turning it into a prison and trying to, you know, trap these spirits that are fucking with her. And it's cool. That's good. Helen Mirren in a fucking horror movie. That's cool. That's awesome. Jason Clark's always good. So, I thought it was good. Anyway, that's all the horror stuff I've seen. Yeah, I didn't didn't love that one. I think I mentioned it on the podcast back when it came out. Yeah. But, um, I saw it, when I saw it in theaters, they had, like, a live psychic doing a reading after the movie, which was totally weird, but, um... It was like a live stream type thing, which sort of added to the experience. But um, we won't we won't discuss uh, Winchester much longer. <laughs> so I guess we will move on. Terry, what did you watch? Um, nothing really horror related, other than what we needed to for the show. I did watch uh, Coco. That has skeletons in it. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. I love that. No, that what? movie was so awesome. Was it good? It was- so yes. fucking sad. God damn it. It is, I think, now my favorite Pixar movie. It's fantastic. So you're it's not really the first awesome. person to say that, but when I watched the trailer, it didn't seem like, I don't know. Well, and I, I knew, I have a, I knew a little background on, like, the Mexican culture. I mean, going through Spanish classes in high school and doing projects and whatnot. So I knew a little bit about um, Dia de los Muertos and all that kind of stuff, so... I can't even imagine, you know, like, as a Latino person seeing that, how incredible that must have been. But, I mean, it, it's just a really fun, 
fun movie. I love all the little Frida Kahlo stuff in there too. It's a lot of fun. What was the um, What was the animated film that Del Toro produced that was about the Days of the Dead? Anybody remember? No. Nope, you're making it up. I'm not. Oh, son of a bitch. The the color palette in Coco certainly looked like something Del Toro would do. I wish I had seen that in the theater in 3D. <laughs> was it the Book of Life? Yeah, that's the Book yeah, of Life. Yeah, thank you. Oh. Yes. That was Del... What? He produced that Del Toro it. Del Toro's producer, yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that one was pretty good. I never saw it. I just remember it, because I think my niece likes it, but she's not, you know, a... Uh, snob when it comes to film. She doesn't care that Del Toro produced it. <laughs> but Coco's good. Oh yeah, Coco's yeah, freaking it's awesome. Excellent. Awesome. It will hit you right in the feels if you have them. That's all I got. Yeah, man. Well, I, don't, so. I was a wreck <laughs> sitting on the couch in the living room with the kids <laughs> at the end of the movie when we rented it a few weeks ago. It'll yeah, get I, you, man. From several angles, too. Like, right when yeah. you think, you're like, okay, it's back to, like, a happy ending. Nope. Fuck you. <laughs> well, I guess um, that leads us to... Brian, what did you see? First of all, I would like to file a motion to officially change the name of this segment to What We Watched in the Shadows. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. And, uh, I... It seems like this movie is the podcast bicycle. Every episode, another person has seen it. I finally got to see A Quiet Place. (laughs) Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. um, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. (laughs) Not so much a fan. I mean... Explain yourself, sir. Yay for horror kicking ass at the box office. Yay for Iowa boys making good. Boo on Iowa boys... This was written by people from Iowa. They should have got the farm shit right. And that is what took me out of the movie. I was rolling right along with it. Totally engrossed, other than telling one woman to shut her fucking phone off. Yep. Nice. I'm glad you got one, too. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't talking. It was just, I was sitting in the furthest back row of the theater, and she was like four rows down from me, and like every five minutes would just check her text messages, and eventually I had to yell at her to okay. shut her phone off. And some other people in the theater snickered, as they tend to do. Because <laughs> I'm not as nice about it as you are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was I was sucked in until the point. I'm not gonna. I know not everyone here has seen it, so I'm not gonna get too deep into the plot. But um, I don't want to spoil any like anything important. But when the kids, this is in the trailer. When the kids are in the silo, when they fall into the silo. First of all, that fucking silo looks like a elevator silo, not something someone would have on their farm. It was fucking huge. <sighs> so it probably would have been used to store silage, not corn, but tiny detail, whatever. Corn doesn't act like quicksand. That, And as soon as that happened, it pulled me out of the movie and I started thinking about everything and the whole fucking thing fell apart because they're very, very careful to elaborate a couple of details of this world that they have created while leaving most things unexplained except for like newspaper clippings you see in the background and that 
But those couple of details show that they only put thought into those like two or three areas and figured, okay, that'll that'll be enough. The audience will gloss over the rest of it because we centered on these things. But as soon as that as soon as those kids started getting sucked into the quicksand corn that doesn't fucking act like that, I started thinking about everything else in the movie and just the whole goddamn thing unraveled. And then when we finally see the monsters they're like fourth generation Cloverfield bootlegs. I was not impressed. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, it was it actually at one point was considered, you know, as part of the, or was going to be considered maybe as a Cloverfield movie, and oh, well, that, that might the, have something uh, to do with the creature design then. I think, actually, they redesigned it after that because they didn't want it to be too close to it, but... But they didn't I, do enough. I know that, from what I understood, that the two writers um, were sort of... They did not want to be part of the Cloverfield universe, despite probably getting a bigger paycheck from J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I think that they wanted to keep their own separate thing, and they fought and for it. I respect that. That makes sense, because you want to keep your own identity as opposed to just being consumed by that yeah. that universe. But if they were going that route, and they, they started with the creatures being something closer to Cloverfield, and they redesigned them, when they came up with the whole sound thing, why? because like, you know they're, they're blind, they hunt by sound, that, again, this is all shit that's in the trailer... And they've got those big-ass long arms. It would have been so fucking easy to make those giant long arms that they walk on into wings and turn them into bat creatures. Why not? Something different. We haven't seen that in a while, right? Not since the Lou Diamond Phillip movie Bats from, like, what, 94, 95? Oh, Bats is so awesome. It is, right? So that's what I mean. If you're going to do something completely different, if you're getting, if you're trying to distance yourself from that universe, make your monster something a little different. I don't know. I didn't care for it. I mean, it's, you know, technically it's fine. It's just the ideas don't work. I will say that I have to give them credit not only for ruling the box office, but they were parodied this weekend on SNL. (laughs) I don't know if anybody saw it. I didn't see the skit. I just saw saw Brian's uh, Facebook messages about it, yeah. And like, yeah. you know, I, I I'm happy for their success. I'm not trying to take that away from them, and I can't go too deep into what I didn't like about it because some people here haven't seen it yet, and I don't want to spoil it for the rest of the crew. But when everyone else has seen it, we can bitch about it more. On or I can bitch about it more. On <laughs> so you, 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 you will be complaining about it. I I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I think I also feel like when. You know, this movie came out, and I wasn't expecting much. I saw it, and I was like, man, that was pretty awesome. And then, you know, it sits there, and people people blow it up to proportions that... Yeah, and I got the flip side of that, where I got to see it in, like, week four of its theatrical release. All of you fuckers (laughs) saw it, and were (laughs) jacking off all over it. And, you know, the whole internet was like, oh my god, a quiet place, it's so scary, it's so good. And then I went and saw it, and was like, corn doesn't work like that. And the whole house of cards fell apart. (laughs) But my entire life, I've lived in Iowa... And yeah. my entire Have you ever life, been in a corn bin? listen <laughs> to me. My entire life, it has been lore that that's what happens in corn in a silo. 
in two ways. If the auger is I mean, running, if the auger is running and they're pulling corn out of the bin, that would happen. If the I, bin was just full of corn, I, it's like standing on fucking concrete. I'm trying to tell you that <laughs> technically it doesn't matter. I'm trying to say that it's been that is the lore of everyone I've ever known that's ever talked about corn in a silo is that you get sucked in. I'm just whether that is it's, or not. I'm just saying that's what it, every kid has ever every kid has been warned their entire life. Right. That's if, what the machiner, if the machinery is active, that can happen. But the only way a bin sitting completely still like that would would drown you in corn is if if uh, sometimes when it when the moisture all gathers up in the top of the bin, the top like foot or two of the corn can sort of get all like the 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 dust and the chaff and everything can get all sticky and kind of glue itself together into this crust. So if the bin's been emptied out, but there's still this shell of corn on top, if you jump onto that, if you climb into the top of the bin and stand on it, that can collapse and cause a full-blown cave-in, and you'll get buried. But if the thing is full, and nothing, no auger is actively pulling grain out, you'll sink in maybe up to your ankles, and then just you know the compaction of the of the kernels together it's like standing on a beach you don't you uh, sink in a I, couple inches on a beach and then the sand compacts and it holds you up and corn works the same way i totally believe you i'm saying <laughs> that it's urban legend for every kid who's ever grown up in the midwest well, you know i grew up on a farm so i <laughs> i i got ruined for the movie i guess yeah it's urban legend, so it's suitable for a movie, whatever. But that's just the thing that bothered Brian, and he was just voicing his opinion. Yeah, oh, I know. Rant over. <laughs> that, that, that's Let's go on the to movie. the next person. What? <laughs> or whatever we need to do next. I think I'm the last one. I don't. Did I miss anybody? No? Anybody speak up if I missed you? All right. Thank you. Are, we, are you guys still on there? Yep. Yeah, we're okay. here. Okay. Here. Well, um, I guess the one thing horror-related that I did watch is the Ash vs. Evil Dead series finale. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. Did anybody else watch it? Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. Okay. I didn't know if uh, you guys were caught up or not, but it was it was bittersweet. I yeah. won't spoil anything for anybody who didn't catch up on it, but it was it was uh, it was sad to see Ash, you know, played by Bruce Campbell for the final time, but. Yep. It was a uh, it was a really good episode and great episode. I'll, Loved it. I will just I will just sort it's sort of a fitting ending that could it's it's a ending and it also is a beginning so it can work in several ways. But it, it's You're it's a bummer. Books. It's a bummer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We can continue that way. But um, yeah, that's that's what I watched horror wise. But outside of that, I started something that. I don't know, it's not horror-related necessarily, but I think our listeners might be uh, interested in was the new YouTube Red series, Cobra Kai. Yeah. Has anybody watched any of this? Not, not yet, not but yet. I saw the trailer. Um, after watching the trailers, I actually did not have high hopes because it sort of looked like what you think YouTube a YouTube uh, TV show might look like. But the first two episodes are free on YouTube, and they're really, really good. Um, much better than what a Karate Kid follow-up series this many years later should be. Based on it's, the bad guy of the movie. 
<laughs> oh, it's, yeah, and and uh, Danny or um, not Danny, but um, is it? Yeah, it's, it's Danny Larusso, right? What's the uh, the, the Karate Kid himself? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's just as much of a character as the uh, the bad guy. So it's I I won't spoil any of this either because it's actually really really good and how they sort of brought it back and made it relevant. It's not your typical uh, reboot. But from the first two episodes, I will probably sign up for the free month of YouTube Red just to check it out. It's really cool. I suggest everybody else who enjoyed Karate Kid growing up, check check that out. Cool, cool. Man, it's a lot of stuff we all watched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a full episode in and of itself. In and of itself. But... There's still more to come. We we got to talk about some uh, Korean horror flicks here. So who wants to start us off? Uh, Terry, how about you? Start us off. What movie should we talk about first? Oh gosh. Um. Let's start on my lowest note. I guess. Okay. Well, no, never mind. I changed my mind because I don't even know what to say about that movie. We'll go with the Tale of Two Sisters instead. All right. Not my lowest note. Good, good, because um, I didn't want to get stuck trying to explain this one, so go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't want to completely spoil all of it, but I guess I that's know, what right? we do on this show. But um, the gist of it is that um, the movie starts with two sisters coming home um, after being hospitalized and shit's weird <laughs> um, <laughs> um there's they're with their dad and their new stepmom and um things start to seem off and that maybe not everything is as it seems and um spoiler alert eventually we find out that um, the older sister is alive, but her younger sister, her sister who's been with her this whole time, is dead, as is her mother, but we knew that before. They didn't shy away from that. Um, and that she's been having um, split personality disorder, being both her sister and her... Um, not stepmom, but father's assistant. Um, this movie's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely crazy. I, uh, I actually, this is, this is actually one of the earlier foreign horror films I had seen, I had seen as well. But the difference is that the first time I watched this, it was with Dustin and Nalani and whoever else was at Dustin's house that weekend. And we watched this, and, you know, we were younger, and we didn't really give a shit, so we weren't paying that much attention. And then, you know, the second you don't pay attention to this movie, you're even more confused than you are just by the movie itself. So we were just like, what the fuck is going on the whole time we were watching it, and none of us understood anything. And we just kind of ended up making fun of it. Which is dumb because I rewatched it not even just this time, but then 
a year or so ago, not too long back, I rewatched it, and I'm like, man, this movie is awesome. What? We were such dicks when we were younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, you know, there, there's no holding back in talking about this one, because we got to spoil the shit out of it, because somebody's got to help me figure out what the fuck did go on in this movie. I have a lot of questions. I, I, I'm with you. The movie's good, but holy cow. I am kind of lost on some things. She's crazy? I mean, uh, that's the basic explanation. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> Let me just ask... Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I think I'm pretty close on figuring it out. If you want to just go through what troubled you, maybe I can help out. Well, my, Yeah, I mean, I think I understand it, too. One of my hundred of questions, um, one of the big ones to me, am I understanding that... The stepmom and the sister weren't real? Right. They were both figments of the girl's imagination. Okay. The one okay, so the one with the longer hair, that's the actual one that's alive. Yeah. The yeah. the shorter bull haircut, that's the one that died by having the the chest fall on her. Okay. She's the one that she died and then the mother the one that they see that the father is dating is just her psychosis of the woman herself because she's real but she's not present during the majority of the movie and and here's here's where i could probably be conceived as a bit racist but like you know a couple of the characters i had a hard time telling who was who (laughs) so at least you didn't say they all look the same (laughs) no i i I tiptoed around that quite a bit you know there without actually saying it but so the um, the is that her doctor or nurse or whatever that shows up at the end dressed up in the suit the business the business suit and everything she was that also the was, was that was that also that the was imaginary the, stepmom? No, that was the mother's nurse. But when I the, thought that was supposed the, to be at, the at the beginning because remember at the be, remember they say that the mother was ill. Yeah. So that was the nurse that was hired to take care of her, and then the father ended up getting into an affair with getting into an affair with her while the girl was in the asylum. Yeah, so so that's the imaginary stepmom, right? Cause okay, so that is the she's same. Not, she's not. Yeah, she's not there during the entire part of the movie. Yeah, she's that's not. Just, she's not real as the stepmom, but it's the same. Right. it is the same person. Okay, it's the same right. person, right? She's just imagining their relationship. Because when they first revealed that she's when she's schizophrenic, and when the father says, "You know, your sister, your sister's dead," we've been over this. At first, I'm like, "That doesn't make any damn sense." There's like scenes where the step where the stepmom and the sister are interacting. How's this? Ma-? And then it's oh, like okay, the stepmom's not real either. So then that dinner scene with the with the uncle and that's yeah, that's the uh, uncle and his wife. That's supposed to be the girl then, in yes, the in the, the position the of the stepmom. That's like yeah. telling all these stories that the the brother doesn't remember. Okay, all right. Yeah, right. That's why they're so fucking weirded out. But then they're but then after all of this, unveiling that she's schizophrenic and all of this is in her head. There are really ghosts in is this it house that she's too. Schizophrenic, right. or she's just right. traumatized by the death of her sister. She has dissociative identity Well, disorder. she's obviously schizophrenic. If she is the stepmom at the dinner table, and she's thinking she's the stepmom at the dinner table with the uncle. 
but, she has dissociative identity disorder. She's all. She has multiple personalities, which is so probably split propelled. Per pers- you know, like the movie the Split. Oh like yeah, she's it's all about the, all of those people. It all it all comes from the trauma of her sister dying, which leads me to my last question, and then we can move on. That flashback scene at the end, where the sister gets buried by the dresser because they found the dead mom in the dresser, and everyone hears it, and everyone reacts to it, and everyone stands still for ten seconds, and it's so traumatizing to the sister that uh, she becomes schizophrenic over it, but never bothers to go into the room and check to see actually what the fuck happened. Like, no one other than... The evil nurse lady. No one else bothered to go to see what was that. What 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 the hell that noise was? I thought the main girl was outside. She went outside. She was upstairs she, when it happened. Well, she looks she out the door and she sees the nurse heading that direction. Yeah, and she already and doesn't like the nurse. So I'd be like, "What's going on with my sister?" And I'd be busting. Well, in so that when room. she sees the nurse, instead of continuing down the hall to go see, I think she kind of just bitches her out and then runs out the door i don't know that was just that was that was the biggest part of the movie for me that like kind of ruined the movie for me i mean i again i still thought the movie was good but that that final the ending there of her just walking away in the field just bothered me yeah no that was uh, one of the few things i had with it too was i couldn't figure out where that comes from because if she's if they hear the noise then the father the nurse whoever you know the nurse was talking to because she's talking with somebody else inside the room and then the daughter they run up they would have all been close enough to hear heard the dresser crash and go upstairs well yeah they all reacted to the noise so they obviously were close enough to to hear it right but then they, it's, you know, the nurse and the daughter get into the argument and then the daughter storms off. Yeah, I, I didn't get that part. Well, that just, was the one. Just because we knew what the noise was doesn't mean that they didn't think it was anything but it. Some, they didn't have to think that it was some big event. Yeah, you know, like, I mean. Just because we knew what. It was horrible going on. The she's, girl, she she's screamed. A she doesn't give a shit. She screamed, and it was a full dresser that came toppling down on top of her. Was there a scream? We know what or, happened, but like, no, I, I think it was just more just like a yelp of surprise. I'm just. I, I mean, the nurse okay. knew obviously. <laughs> she just let the girl die. Yeah, yeah. I get. Yeah, I get the dawn here. Yeah, I get the nurse's reaction. 100. percent You know that. Her reaction doesn't bother me, and I was waiting for a whole a bigger confrontation there in the stairway between between the nurse and the other sister, you know, because my mind like the nurse doesn't want her to see what happened in there, but they just they just have like a a little spat and the girl storms off. I well, and their discussion there plays back to an earlier scene because she's telling her how she's going to regret this, and they have that same they say that same thing in the hallway with like the body in the bag they say it there too like it's a playback to that psychologically yeah so i don't i mean i think it was really just to set that up 
Gotcha. And have that playback to that. It has literally never bothered me, so <laughs> it's crazy that you guys are picking well, the, this one little thing out as, like, the worst part of the whole movie. <laughs> it's just, I just don't get the react the the reactions from everybody, and, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, again, it doesn't ruin the rest of the stuff that goes on in the movie. I just don't believe no one else would run into that room. But uh, well, the, uh, regardless, the nurse, the nurse is, um, you know, she's trying to say to uh, the older sister. She says, "Do you want to check on your sister?" Um, and then they get into that heated confrontation, and so she's a very vindictive person, at least how I I understood the movie, and so she's sort of pissed off by what the uh, older sister says to her. So she's sort of, I don't, I don't know, I took it as her having this power over her like you know yeah yeah and like she knows that her sister is in trouble in the room but she's uh she's so she's using that as some sort of psychological ammo like you're gonna regret this and you don't know why but and she's a teenager so she's selfish and uh yeah is, is wrapped up in her own stuff and so she storms out of there forgetting the very reason she went up there in the first place so that's just how i took exactly it. exactly which pretty much makes the evil stepmom, whatever she is, character, the worst fucking human being alive. Oh, yeah. Because she willfully condemns a little girl to death under the corpse of her mother just to strike out at this girl who is her (laughs) competition, shall we say, for the father's affection. Right. To be be fair, I don't think she knew that the mother was also dead in there. That doesn't really make it better. I kind of wondered if, like, the nurse had... There's a part of me that wondered if the nurse had something to do with it, with the mother's death. I mean, I know you see her... It looks like she hung herself. Other than pushing her to it. What's that? Well, yeah, maybe it's... pushing her to it, but... Maybe it's that, but then, then, like, with the final scene of, um, you know, the ghost in the closet attacking the the nurse there at the end, I I took that as, like, a, a revenge thing, so... Right, that's actually, that's the uh, ghost of the do- of the daughter that was crushed under the chest. Oh, it was the daughter's ghost. Oh, I thought it was the yeah, mother's the daughter. ghost, or maybe a, an amalgamation of both or something. So no, that's th- that's supposedly the uh, daughter that because she's getting revenge for leaving her underneath the chest because gotcha. she comes okay. in and sees okay. that she can see yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, because she sees the feet and then the feet just won't run off, so she leaves her up there. So yeah, that's the ghost of the daughter coming back to seek revenge. Okay. And that's really all you need because if you're a like leaving a child to die for the sake of a pissing match is like <laughs> the circumstances of that child's death at that point kind of don't matter anymore. Like you're already the worst person in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's everyone th- what's everyone think about this movie? I freaking loved it. I'm already exhausted just listening to you guys talk about it. <laughs> it is an exhausting movie, but it's so I really enjoyed layers. it. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I mean and I enjoy it the more times I watch it because I catch more little things that are just really subtle that you don't necessarily catch the first or second viewing. Yeah, it does seem like a movie worth repeat viewing to pick up on more things, but what were you going to say, Jason? Oh, I, I I really enjoyed the slow pace and the minimal dialogue for a lot of it. Like that, I'm I'm liking slow movies more and more as I get older. So I really like that. 
I thought the cinematography was outstanding, especially in that first scene. Um, I love the score, man. Yeah, that main theme. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, it's so good. I think the the scariest thing I've ever seen <laughs> is at that uh, later dinner scene with the where she sees something under the sink. With, Horror, yeah, the holy fuck. The the wife has that seizure, and then on the drive home, she's like. I saw something. I, I saw a child underneath the sink. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! I lost my shit on that. Yeah, that, was that scared good. the fuck out of me. And that opens up a whole like it's such a tiny little moment, <clears throat> but it opens up a whole another level of metaphysical shit in this movie. Like in this world, if you have a seizure, like if you have a seizures aren't necessarily a near death experience, but if you have some kind of trauma like that, it allows you to see. Mm-hmm. Into you know so, something on the next plane, and it's just a th- fucking throwaway jump scare moment. <laughs> they don't explore that at all. It's like God, there are so many layers to this movie, and so this, many weird little subliminal things yeah. that, like you're talking about, it paying off multiple viewings. You know, th- this is the first time I'd seen it because it it hit video. You know that we were talking about Ring a little bit in the uh, in the bonus episode, and. At the point that this had come out on American video, um, I, I had kind of got stringy-haired ghost girl fatigue. <laughs> so I saw this one, and I'd heard a lot of people say good things about it, but it was like, oh, it's just another one of these things. And then, so this is the first time I'd watched it was for the show, and it totally isn't that at all. Mm-mm. I mean, there's yeah. there's one, one tiny little scene that has the, the scary stringy-haired ghost girl thing, but oh, yeah. the, the, end the rest of the, bed, of the movie... Yeah. Yeah, the minstrel but, monster. <laughs> that's what we, call it. That's what we yes. called it when we first watched it back in the day. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> but the rest of it is, I don't know, it, the, and the bit where she's dragging that burlap sack around made me think of uh, Audition a Audition. little bit. Too, yeah. little I got that vibe too, yeah. 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 For sure. I was just waiting for that, that sack to like shift, you know, move on its own there. This movie One of the most... Uh, no, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. One of the most... No, uh, <laughs> now we're, we're, in a, we're in a quiet place right now. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the most subtle things that I really liked on this viewing, I've, this is my second time watching it, um, is when um, the dad goes downstairs to sleep on the couch... Um, when you're first watching that, you're going, oh, wow, they have a strained marital relationship. Uh, and it's kind of a sad little detail. And then you realize, oh, he's, he's going to sleep on the couch because his daughter uh, is sleeping in, be- in bed with him. And she thinks that she's, you know, his, uh, his new step. Oh, fuck. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's probably some weirdness going on there. And he's just like, I, uh, I need to sleep on the couch. That's right. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, well, good on him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then also, there's that one um, really suspenseful kitchen scare. Um, not the not the seizure one, but um, where it's the stepmom, uh, and she sees uh, the ghost under the sink. I think, or I don't. I, I forgot the details of it, but. And then the girl in the green dress, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. So that means that that was the sister, the older sister in reality um, 
having that moment then, I guess. Or am right. I mixed up? No, you're no right. I think that's right, yeah. And she bends down to, to pick up something. Pack. Like a hair clip or something. She's a She is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and then her sister, I guess, it would be her sister, grabs her arm. Yeah. For a quick jump scare, and then you see the I'm guessing it's also her sister in the green dress. I don't know if either of the, if any of the ghosts are supposed to be the mom. I don't feel like they are. I feel like it's all just that sister because she was, you know, left to die. Right. Uh, yeah. the The mother is only seen as a ghost for one sequence. It's when she's in the bed when she, you know, when uh, she appears in front of the girl in in her bed. That's the only time it's actually the girl's mother. Oh, the right, right, right. Yeah, the rest of it's actually the daughter. Okay. She just has different forms that she's taking. Right, yeah. Or well, different outfits. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, they can, you can. They say that you can tell because the mother has a broken neck because that's how she hanged herself. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, and she's got that head tilt as a ghost. Yeah, yeah. and then when you... And then the other stuff, she was... The daughter was wearing the green dress. She's got a uh, green dress with blue ribbons and a hair clip. Mm. Okay. So, okay. So uh, supposedly that's the that's the um, the other daughter. So the mother is only for that one sequence, but it's the daughter that's there for the rest of the movie. Gotcha. Hmm. I was gonna say this movie has one of the. Uh, a scare device that is on my one of my top things that I fucking can't stand or, or I mean because it's so scary to me Yeah, is earlier in the film the daughter is being chased by something and she runs into her bed and kind of pulls the blanket over her head and we kind of have a close up on her and when like the audience knows something's behind coming after her and like she's not looking at it Oh fuck! And then, <laughs> and then she pulls the blanket all the way over her head, and I'm like, "When?" And you know something's out there, and you're in the place of the character, and you're just like, "I don't know what." Why aren't you looking? Yeah. I can't stand it. <laughs> I can't stand. Oh, it scares me the fuck out of me every time. Awesome. But the rules are: if you're under the blanket, you're safe. Fuck no, no. <laughs> Until it never works out. Pulls the blanket away. Oh fuck. <laughs> we've seen you. We've seen you on. We know that's not the case. Oh man. Just me trying to comfort Jason. Just Thank trying you, to comfort buddy. you. <laughs> I also liked when uh, later in the film, when she's walking on the floorboards, blood kind of seeps up out. That was cool. I, that was I a liked cool that. Film. That was great. Yeah, two sisters up. (laughs) (laughs) He tried, he tried. God damn it. (laughs) Anything else anybody has to say about this movie before we move on? Probably the scariest movie of the the four we watched, in my opinion. I I can agree with that. Yeah, definitely scary. Like, the most, yeah, scary, because, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Because one of the others is horrific, and the other two are... Kind of silly. Well, then, let's get into one of those other ones, then. Uh, Brian, what one should we talk about next? 
Well, if you called on me, then I think you I know, know very I know what well it's what gonna be. I'm talking about next. <laughs> <laughs> Pulgasari. Pulgasari! <laughs> I thought it was going to be Chaw. Well, that, yeah, that Killer was Killer Pig, option, too. Okay. Yeah, one of only, to my knowledge, four Killer Pig movies in existence. Although, there is supposedly a new Australian one coming up called Boar. But some it of the stuff I've awesome. seen that one says 2016, so we'll see. Anyway, Pulgasari, uh, and I think uh, Don will probably have some stuff to say about this one, too, being a fellow kaiju fanatic, is a North Korean movie, the only North Korean movie on the list. Um, Kim Jong-il... <laughs> Before he was the full-on dictator of North Korea, was there, what would you say, propaganda minister? Media? Uh, for, lack of a better t- for lack of a better term, I think I'll go with propaganda minister. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying lack of a better term, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Media overlord, maybe. <laughs> but uh, he, <clears throat> he was a huge movie nerd. And so, when he was put in charge of the entire output of North Korea's media, he decided the best way to go about this would be to kidnap a famous South Korean director and his wife, who is an actress, and uh, force them to make movies. The director was Shin Sang-ok, and uh, the actress was Choi Yun-hee. I, I am going to butcher these pronunciations, and I apologize for that. I can pronounce some Japanese stuff fairly well, but Korean is, is another story. Um, this was actually the last movie they made for uh, their captors before they escaped while they were on a tour of Austria, I believe. They, they managed to, to skedaddle from their keepers. Um, <clears throat> but the story is uh, takes place in feudal Korea, uh, and this village has been singled out to have to give up all of their farming implements to make weapons to, to fight the good fight, I guess, because Kim Jong-il had no sense of self-awareness or irony. <laughs> and uh, so while these villagers are under siege, <clears throat> this old man who's a blacksmith gets taken prisoner, and <clears throat> his niece and... Uh, a couple of other people try to come see him in prison, and the guards won't allow them in, so they throw food at him. Like, Uncle, eat this food so you don't starve to death. And they're, like, just hurling rice balls at the <laughs> window of his cell. And uh, instead of eating it with the last of his strength, he forms this little idol with the rice and, and some... We're just going to say it's mud. I hope it's mud off the floor of his cell. <laughs> uh... And prays to the gods to imbue it with life to save his village. He dies of starvation uh, and and beatings and mistreatment in prison. And the idol winds up in the hands of his niece, who uh, is sewing one day and accidentally pricks her finger and a drop of blood falls on the idol, which brings it to life. It, uh, it then proceeds to eat all of her knitting needles and the lock off the door of her hut and then a bunch of weapons that they have, and they realize that 
this creature could be the answer to their problem, so they send it out, it eats a bunch of the Emperor's weapons, and uh, eventually grows to full-blown Daikaiju size, and uh, smashes the shit out of everything in its path, and, and kind of saves the day, until they realize that it's not going to stop eating iron, and they need to get back to farming somehow. So somebody is going to have to make a sacrifice to make this creature stop that was once their savior and now could potentially be their destroyer. What did everyone think of Polgathari? Oh, I had a blast with this one. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah, uh, for me, I've always loved the feudal war setting just because it's so different. I mean, I, you know, I utterly love Majin, the, the Majin trilogy, just because they're set in feudal Japan. So it's not, you know, yeah, it's, you know, hurling tanks and bombs and jets at, you know, giant men in suits is a fun, is a fun watch. Just, you know, for a sense of, like, comparison, you know, there's a difference different tone and feeling you get by watching the feudal stuff so to me I love the setting there the battle scenes are just so much fun I love the three different battles that they have and you still get the city smashing at the end where you see them inside the giant temple which hats off to Nagano for creating that thing that thing is one of his best works I think yeah it's so Kim Jong-il did not only kidnap a South Korean director to make this movie. Now, there, there are a couple of different apocryphal versions of this story. Um, these special effects were, were, were not complete. They were actually done somewhat by a, a North Korean outfit working under Kim Jong-il. But they were supervised and presumably, by and large, actually done by... Uh, the Toho special effects outfit at the time, led by Terry Oshinakano. Um, this was shortly after they finished Return of Godzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla 1985. Now, one version of the story says that uh, they were told they had a job in China following Godzilla 85, and then got off the, uh, got off the plane in Pyongyang and went, oh shit, <laughs> we're in trouble, because there's a bunch of guys with machine guns. And another version of the story is that they knew what they were doing the whole time, and it was all fine. Now, Kenpachiro Satsuma, who is the suit actor who played Godzilla from 1985 to 1995, and was also in the Pulgasari suit, he's got an autobiography out, which I would dearly love to read, but it has not been translated into English yet. Still only in Japanese, and sadly I can't read Japanese. Yeah. But he he is said yet yet <laughs> he is said that they were actually treated very well there, and that. I tend to believe his side of the story. Like, they may have been tricked into thinking they had a job in China, but once they were there, I think, despite the bluster that North Korea puts out about we are the greatest power on Earth and all that other bullshit, they knew full well that picking a fight, like, mistreating, a, kidnapping and mistreating a bunch of Japanese nationals was going to result in, especially at that time, uh, picking a fight with America because, you know, Japan was still essentially under America's and the UN's protection after World War II because they had had their full-blown military taken away and were still just only allowed a defense force and still are. Um, 
which is a lot of what Shin Godzilla is about, but that's a whole different <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, yeah, the special effects were done by the greatest suit nation special effects company on the planet at the time with the resources of an entire country at their disposal. So despite some of the process shots, some of the matte stuff, like the scale doesn't really work at times. Paul Gasari looks like he's 8,000 feet tall and other, other times he's 50. <laughs> you know, technological limitations are going to be the same throughout the globe. If you can't get a decent optical printer in America or Japan, you're sure as fuck not going to get one in North Korea. <laughs> but as far as building the suit, as far as building the miniatures, and that's another thing, Don, you were talking about the uh, Daimajin series uh, from Dai in 1966. Putting it in a feudal setting, the monster is smaller, which means the miniatures can be bigger. You don't have to have a 400-foot-tall monster to make it believable that it can stand up against the onslaught of a military attack when your highest technology is black powder cannons. So if your monster is only 60 or 70 feet tall, your miniatures, you know, they scale to that. And, and the detail they get in that palace at the end is fucking beautiful. Ugh, I mean, you know, the fact that he's tall enough to fit inside, you know, he actually goes into the main chamber and you see him the size of the columns there. You, you know, the, you're looking up at it where he's knocking the, the columns over, killing everybody inside. Just absolutely beautiful stuff. Yeah. On the reverse of that, though, I was also really impressed with the large-scaled stuff when Pogasori was little tiny when he was still when he was still really small. Yeah, I thought a lot of that stuff looked really good too. Because there yeah. are three, you know, there there's two different Pogasori suits. You've got the cute baby Pogasori. And, and the giant sets, like when he's eating the knitting needles or when he's chewing the Oh, man, when baby Polgasari is sleeping under the blanket, that's the fucking cutest mm. thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Yeah. yeah. I want one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, funny story, the actor in the little Polgasari suit is the same creature from the Menela costumes from the 60s. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's the uh, same actor. But, uh, yeah, no, there's, it's really kind of hard to go into how the differences between the two are unless you see them, because, you know, the little miniatures with the smaller scale ones look great, but then you have the giant Polgasori marching across the battlefield with all the, you know, the two armies at war with each other, and you know, it's a fun contrast that you don't always get in these kinds of genre pictures because it's usually the modern day times where you've got tanks and planes and rockets firing at it. And yeah. Now you get the, you know, trebuchets and cannons and... There we go. I'm back now. My internet fucked up. Sorry about that. <laughs> He's back. No problem. What did I miss? What was the last thing I said? Um, oh, Don went on and was going on. No, yeah. I was just talking about the actor, the little, the actor in the mini Polkasori costume. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the same actor from uh, the from uh, Manila in the '60s. No shit, March on the Dwarf. Yeah, that's him. 
Of course he knew who that was. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're back. Yeah, no kidding. It was weird that you didn't say anything the first time. To be yeah, I was going on and on about the <laughs> stuff, and it's like, uh oh, my internet quit working. Where I no one. Okay. Yeah, sorry, man. I don't know where you le- where you left off at. I don't either. I don't know what the last thing you heard me say was, so I'm afraid I'm going to end up repeating myself. But Probably fuck or something. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old man that kind of you know, ran the village, um, his sister must have been really busy because everybody in the village calls him uncle. <laughs> oh, come on. That was funnier than yeah. that. Yeah, no, knowing Asian, knowing you know, knowing as much as I do about Asian culture, that's more just a term of endearment. You know, everybody would call each other uncle or, you know, stuff, something like that as like a, more of like a sign of respect and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In our in our culture, like the uncle's the creep, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very true. Tad, what'd you think of this movie? It was dumb fun. I loved it. It was it was the um, I guess probably on this episode. Well, uh, it might be the one like the you know there's there's really nothing you can miss on this one. It's pretty simple, straightforward, uh, enjoyable movie. It's almost the um, I'd say the backstory behind it you know, makes it more interesting than it actually is on the surface. But even if you don't know that going in, it's still pretty fun. I'm not saying that, like, the backstory actually makes it more fun. Yeah, but The, the uh, backstory is kind of unpleasant. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's got but some it's, icky, icky political implications. Right, but it, it adds some interest to it. It's like, because, you know, I've, I sort of Googled it after, you know, watching. I wanted to learn a little bit more about it and read more in the story, and it's like... <laughs> Oh, that's sort of fucked up, but uh, fun little movie. And there's there's actually a book out about the the whole scenario of the director being kidnapped and all that, and it's got Paul Gasari on the cover, nice. and it sells it like it's the story of that, and I think Paul Gasari gets talked about for like a page. Well, how many hmm. movies do you end up making while under... I'm not sure. A lot of them were, were just straight-up feudal war movies and a few oh, other okay. fantasy movies and stuff, but Paul Gasari is the one that has the notoriety because it's a kaiju movie and it because it also involves uh, people from Toho who made Godzilla movies. Well, also, it was, it was banned after the fact, too, right? Yeah, and this was... I, I only saw this for the first time a few years ago because, you know, now everything's on fucking YouTube. But <clears throat> back when I was... I don't know, early teens probably. Uh, I was at the Mall of America, and in a Suncoast video, if you guys remember those things. I should have. Oh, yeah. I lived at those. And I had a copy of the Paul Gasari VHS in my hand. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. All you know, It showed the monster in like a close-up, and... Nothing about, you know, nothing giving it scale, nothing to say it's a kaiju. It just said in big red letters across the front of the tape, BANNED. That's all you needed to see. Well, it was all I needed to see to know, shit, mom's not going to let me buy this. (laughs) And so I 
put it back, and I think I, I instead of buying that, I got the uh, BBC miniseries of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is also awesome. But you know, little did I know I wouldn't have another chance to see Paul Gasari for twenty more years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when I finally saw it, you know, it, setting aside all the implications of the the story of the making of the movie, this is a damn good kaiju movie. It's different. Yeah. It's different than what you expect from a kaiju movie. Besides the yeah. setting, you know? Un- unless, as Don said earlier, you've seen the Die Machine trilogy, which you should, because they're great. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. I've, I've got Retro Media put out this really shitty single-disc collection of all three movies. Oh, there's, oh, a, there's a three-disc Blu-ray version you can get for, like, yeah. eight bucks on Amazon. Yeah, no, that's what I was just about to pop in. Buy the Blu-ray set. That thing is... Immaculate. Oh, I could not. Okay. I could not uh, sell that that set any any better. Go for that. It is incredibly immaculate. The only better deal you're going to get is you can buy a box set of every Gamera movie ever made on Blu-ray for like fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> that, the Dimagine movies are great. Um, the Palgasari suit. This is one of my favorite. I think this is what I was talking about. When the internet fucked up. The Palgasari suit is one of my favorite kaiju suits ever. Oh. It it's it looks in the face very much like the 1984-85 Godzilla, which makes sense because it's by the same creators. Yeah. Um, but with all that armor plating and those big ass bull horns, like it's such a unique looking creature. Without getting completely into the bizarre realms of like Ultraman monsters and shit, as no, far like, as just let's not go there. <laughs> kind of yeah, that that could take a whole nother night or ten. But as far as, like, straightforward, not-too-weird kaiju go, Paul Gasari's awesome, and there are only a very few toys of this guy. I would love to get my hands on one. They're out there. (laughs) Nice. But And and again, having him played by, you know, people, well, I say you know, there's not too many people on this show who care, but (laughs) people who love Doctor Who have their Doctor, super, like, deep dive Godzilla nerds also have their Godzilla. You know, there's Haruo Nakajima who I got to meet uh, a couple of years ago and um, there's Kenpachiro Satsuma and there's Satomu Kitagawa and a, a few other people have played him too but those are like the big three and my introduction to Godzilla was Godzilla 85 which is this same actor so to have you know the monster played by the guy who was my Godzilla um, Cool. We all have it with That's our favorite Michael special. Myers, or yeah, there you go. Phase 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 two, yeah. You're Jason, yeah. Yeah, I'm a uh, massive Daikaiju fan myself, actually. So I was uh, I was going your speed with all the uh, the references to the suit actors and stuff. Um, I thought the movie was was pretty okay. Um, it didn't really go as crazy as I expected it to. Like, there's the surreal aspect of a kaiju um on the battlefield the size of the humans that was kind of that kind of messed with my mind for some reason (laughs) i didn't expect to see that um and the ending was was where i really enjoyed i really enjoyed it because it was just so like what the hell am i watching like that that was the only time when i was like oh this is a north korean film that's trying to uh teach us north korean values um (laughs) it it was kind of rushed that part um, but it, it was very interesting, and it made me think and ruminate for a while on the lessons of the film. 
Had, uh, had you seen this before? No, no, I'd always no. wanted to. Um, I, don't, I don't know, I, I didn't realize that it was up on YouTube, which, you know, I and, guess I should have checked. Full 140p. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was watching it on my smart TV, so, you know, it was... <laughs> It was still 140p, but it was oh, uh, yeah. the pixels blown up. Nice. Yeah, you stand in the kitchen to make sense of what was going on. But. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I would um, guess this is probably a rip of that VHS that I almost bought 20 probably. some years ago. Um, I thought the best part of the suit was the like the expressiveness of the face. Yeah, like like when she's uh, sacrificing herself to get rid of him. He has this expression on his face at one point that's just like, "What the fuck? No, you know, <laughs> no, no more iron." Ah. Yeah. That's what I meant about them having the the dispo- the the full funds, the finances of an entire country at their disposal, essentially to be able to make whatever they wanted. Like they built a lot of animatronics into this suit that yeah. you wouldn't have got in. Anyway, at the time, you know, uh, when Godzilla 84, 85 came out, they really were hyping up the Cybot, which was this 15 or 20 foot tall Godzilla model that they built. It had this full blown animatronic head. And, you know, it barely worked in a few scenes. And, and yeah. in this, it seems like they managed to build those same animatronics into the suit itself. Just, you know, having those extra resources at their disposal made a lot of difference and and the monster looks fantastic so it's big puppy dog eyes for me <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying you can see it in the two big full-scale action scenes where he gets caught in the trap and they put him inside that giant wooden crate yeah the you know the one where they set him on fire you see the the see him inside the burnings the wooden cage right then the, um, you also have him in the later scene where they bury him alive and you see him erupting out of the giant avalanche. Mm-hmm. 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 And that, uh, apparently they didn't watch enough movies because they're like, hey, this didn't work at all in Godzilla Raids again, but <laughs> we're going to try it here. And, and I love that they stick a monster made of metal in a wooden cage and set it on fire, and then are surprised <laughs> that their plan did not work the way they wanted they it to. They were shocked. <laughs> and not only that, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually, is after that, the cage is burned away. They've kidnapped Paul Gasari's uh, muse. Uh, controller? Not muse, controller, well, yeah, whatever you want to call it. He's pissed. And the cage burns away. He stands up. They have managed to make the monster worse because he is now glowing red hot. And their reaction is the uh, you know, classic Monty Python: "Run away! Run away!" <laughs> so they're all jumping. They're jumping into their boats in the river, trying to escape. And the monster is like, "Oh fuck you, people!" And he just wades into the water and boils them to death. Yes, that's the most metal fucking thing in any movie ever. <laughs> oh man! Well, I just gotta say, um, the idea of bringing to life a monster that eats iron and metal and such when your town is perilously low on those same resources, uh, I thought that was a really dumb idea on that guy's part. You're <laughs> throw it out yeah. there. Well, they assumed and correctly at first, that he was going to go after the Emperor and eat his weapons, not their farming implements. <laughs> but once he, chow- yeah, right. once he had chowed down on all those cannons, they realized, oops, 
this was a mistake. Oh, which is sorry. like I said, but, but he's growing. Which, which is the point where, as I was talking about, Kim Jong Il had no sense of self awareness and didn't realize that Shin Sang Ok was making fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, the two best parts in the whole movie are just any of the miniatures because they're fucking adorable. <laughs> or um, I think my my favorite moment is just after he's eaten all of the weapons. And he just like goes to the mountains, and he's just fat and happy for a while. <laughs> he's just like chilling, like laying back, holding his belly. <laughs> I don't think what is happening. I don't think they like to be called miniatures. I think they like to be called little people. Okay, <laughs> little monsters. <laughs> I had a question. Was that tree bark soup? What the hell were they? Yeah, what they yeah, were eating. That, that is exactly what I assumed it was when we were watching. <laughs> it's like, yep, she's shaving that tree down to make soup. Yum. My only real problem with the movie is they only had two sounds for the foley of sword on sword action. Dude, well, that was Kung Fu movie, and you know, lots of not Shaw Brothers movies, man. Only, <laughs> only say, two. They borrowed those from the Shaw Brothers. That's what I'm I was going to say. Not, but. But hey, literally they only two. Them, so they had like three or four. Ching, ching, ching. It was, oh, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the kicking or non-sword sounds were one sound. <laughs> and then the swords, metal hitting metal, only had two sounds. Then the metal hit metal oh. sound effect gave me Inframan flashbacks. So. Yeah, so so high if you love kung fu movies, those sounds are yeah. like warm fuzzy. It just adds to, to the tr- it just adds to the charm. <laughs> the, uh, the main theme of the movie is like way too moody and beautiful to be for uh, Polgasari. Like it, yeah. it doesn't really fit at all <laughs> in my opinion. A lot of the music, yeah. The score is you know, for, for kaiju fanatics like you and Don and I, uh, you know, we expect either typically the booming, bombastic Akira Fukube music or the weird, funky Masaru Sato stuff. Mm-hmm. This almost sounds like Goblin. Oh, yeah. Because it's all keyboard shit. Yeah, I think yeah, if they would have had... score for this type of movie, yeah. If it would have had a traditional, if it would have had traditional instruments recording it, I think it probably would have resonated a little better because I love the beats and the music, but just the you know the way it's composed and the way it sounds, it's a little, it takes a little getting used to. But yeah, if you put it on a regular, like a full score and recompose it, I think it would work wonders. Awesome! I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. Um, if we're wrapping up, I just have one last thing to inject here for Pogasari. Somebody who was working at Marvel uh, around the 2010 mark was a fan of this movie because in the Invincible Iron Man Annual Number One, it's a it's three stories about the Mandarin, and one of them is about him kidnapping some filmmakers and forcing them to make him a propaganda film about the evil monster Iron Man who, <laughs> in, in in the version of the movie that he's making, the suit looks like this big metal dragon with the red and gold highlights like the Iron Man suit that eats children and stuff. And so he, the Mandarin kidnaps filmmakers and forces them to make him a propaganda kaiju movie about Iron Man. 
Interesting. It's hmm. it's fantastic. <laughs> and Matt Fraction totally made the Mandarin not a ridiculous racial stereotype. And I, I wish they would have used the Matt Fraction Mandarin in the movies, but that's just me. Any other final thoughts there on Pulkasori? I don't think I can follow that, so I think we should move on. All right. Well, let's move on then. So, who should, what's the next movie we should talk about? Um, see, I, see, I thought I thought Brian's going to bring up Chaw. Yeah, uh, fine with me. Let's uh, bring that one up then. All right. Who wants to get into what Chaw's about? Pigs. Piggies. Pig. <laughs> oink, oink. <laughs> Tad, I'm you, not going to describe it, though. Tad, do you want to describe Cha for us? Yeah, I guess I will, because I'm, I'm, if I'm, as long as I'm not missing some big, um, like, overtone or message I was supposed to uh, get out of this, it's basically a big fucking pig killing people. It's like a man-eating boar going on a rampage. And it's, uh... At first, I wasn't sure if the comedy was intentional, but I think it—I think it's sort of a, a dark comedy. So, oh yeah, yeah it's absolutely oh. intentional. Especially so funny. When, well, yeah, right when I first started watching it, I'm like, "Am I? Is this like, you know, am I just like laughing at this because I'm an asshole?" But and then I'm like, "Okay, okay, <laughs> it's supposed. I'm supposed to. It's okay. I'm. It's okay to laugh." But there's not really You're still much an else. Asshole. Oh, I know. And there's not much else to it other than. Um, a giant boar. It's it's like um, you know your typical your typical giant boar movie, but it's set in South Korea. I, I like how you say your typical giant boar movie. <laughs> like there are more than three of them. <laughs> it, it's Razorback for uh, South Korea. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else I can elaborate on it. I mean, I'm sure um, Brian's got all kinds of. Um, big words to explain what this what this movie means to him but uh i enjoyed it it was goofy and uh gory and and simple i just like that it was simple what did you guys think it was simple but it was two hours long (laughs) yeah way too long i'll be honest like i I was with it for quite a while, and I thought that there were some funny moments, but and even throughout, like throughout the whole thing. But I was kind of bored, to be perfectly honest. I found myself kind of spacing that, out later. Is on. that a pun? You were bored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yep. I totally intended that. That's what I said. Yeah. I was pigging out on snacks while watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this, but uh, like Terry said, there's no reason for this thing to be two hours long. You know, I mean, I get that they're trying to, you know, establish that this is sort of like a Jaws ripoff, but for me, I think the one area that this loses it is I, th- I find that the detective's mother should not have been involved in the film. The you know the one that's dementia. Yeah, the dementia one. Yeah, she's got dementia or whatever. I had 
I was struggling to find any reason why she should have been in this movie. Yeah, that was un- that's, unneeded. Yeah, that's where they could have trimmed probably 10 or 15 minutes out of the movie and, and tightened it up a yeah. little bit. But that's... Yeah. And I was spacing out, and what the what was the fucking deal with the crazy lady with the doll? Yeah. I know she showed up later yeah. on. Did she actually have a purpose that I missed? Uh, I think she was just grief-stricken because her son was killed or something. Well, that's and she, she had like kidnapped an orphan and turned him into her son. Yeah, like, yeah. And he was like semi-willing about that again. It's. But why? What does that have to do with the pig? Nothing, <laughs> and, and that's. <laughs> it's just a different, uh, a different culture's idea of storytelling. You know, I. I guess. I've seen, granted, not a ton of South Korean movies now, but this is this one probably marks somewhere on the half dozen, maybe seven or eight mark, and I think almost all of them have been a minimum two hours long. Just lots of extra characters, very, uh, how do I want uh, not lethargic storytelling, but like, we'll get around to the point when we feel like it kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I say I feel like that works for more of like a like a drama, yeah. but when and you're doing a comedy, you need to trim the fat and, and just make it faster paced. And I know you have, and I don't know if everyone else here has seen the Wailing. Oh yeah, very very awesome. similar story idea about a cop. Even like the cop in a small town who gets transferred from a big city and all that stuff, and that the comedy and all the extra elements work so much better in that movie. I think just because that's a better movie. Yeah, for sure. Whereas this is yeah, it's a monster rampage movie. Yeah, you don't need cut, all the extra. Cut four or five of the extra characters out of there and just get to the fucking point. Exactly. <laughs> And it's even, and it's made all the more obvious because when it is based on that killer pig rampage, it is really good. Yeah, I love, I love the th- the big three action scenes in here: the attack on the orphanage, the sequence where it appears at the luau or party or barbecue or whatever the hell they're having, where it just runs wild and begins boring through everybody, nah. and then the yeah, and then the finale in the what was it, the factory. Yeah, this has this. Which? No, go ahead. Oh, I was that that luau scene is is awesome because it, it's essentially the same point in you know this is kind of a beat for beat Jaws thing, right? And that that luau scene is essentially the bit where they're uh, where they've caught the tiger shark and everyone's taking pictures of it on the beach and and Hooper is measuring its jaws and going this isn't your shark like. If if in Jaws the shark had then jumped up on the beach, flipped off the mayor, and punched Alex Kintner's mom in the face, that was like the exact same <laughs> scene as this. Right, exactly. And I mean, yeah, I do get that it is almost beat for beat because you have the opening attack, the investigation on the out in the middle of the nowhere, the cop coming into town. Yeah, and you you have the final half, you know, out in the wilderness with the creature's own, you know, in the creature's habitat where it's, you know, the survivors against the creature. Yeah, I do find it is a beat-for-beat Jaws thing, but, you know, the pick attacks are so good that it just makes the the comedy stand out, you know, a little bit more as not being up to par. Yeah. 
there are a couple of points where it works. I, I like the bit where they're constantly ragging on that like rookie cop who can't hold his lunch every time something gross happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they they could have uh, trimmed it up and uh, made some good bacon. Oh, <laughs> cut the fat and make some good ham. Had there been less CGI pig and more of the practical pig, I would have been a little happier because that there are a few scenes where the CGI is it kind of works, but when you get full body action shot pig, yeah, it looks pretty fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm looking over my notes and and. Uh, I just remember, like, the first... I thought the first half of the movie that the execution of those pig kills were kind of lame because they were all kind of the same, just gets drug off out of frame. I mean, yeah, I know just, you can't yeah, show it right POV away. shots, no effect at all. Yeah, yeah. it's all just, Yeah, it's all pig POV, yeah. It just kept happening and happening the same way, and I'm like, I just thought, none, you know, just the execution of that was cool. But then I know I have later, I have... All caps, I say, finally some pig action. It was so cool <laughs> seeing some big giant pig running around kicking ass. This was the second time I'd watched the movie, and I yes. mentioned Same before here. a couple of times how much of a fan I am of killer pig movies, and how I think there need to be more of them because pigs are fucking scary. Like, you don't even need to make them giant. My uncle raises pigs, he's a hog farmer, and he doesn't breed them anymore, but when I was a kid, he used to have breeding boars, like, you know, not neutered, full tusk, fucking six, seven hundred pound, just giant ass boars, and we were warned as kids, you know, the, the farm is your playground, go outside and do things, be, be active, be children, but don't go near that pen because those pigs will hold you down and eat you alive, and we're not kidding. <laughs> but but you can go into the corn silo and play. Yeah, yeah. Unless because if the auger's not running, it's not. Dangerous. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've had like a healthy fear of pigs instilled in me from a very early age. They are extremely intelligent. They can be very affectionate. They can also be fucking terrifying. And to my knowledge, there are only four killer pig movies: this, Razorback, Pig Hunt and a French movie called Prey from uh, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, there are other movies that have pigs as like corpse disposal units and whatever, but as far as the pig being the main focus of the horror and the monster that will attack you, not that many of them. Just because it's so so awesome, I'll throw evil speak in there just for the one sequence, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but again, it's not the main thrust of the movie. It's like one Yeah, I know what you're saying, but yeah, I just... I'll throw that on there just because it's so awesome and then just to pad out the list a little more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, I'd known about this movie coming that it was on the way. I was all excited, like, yeah, and, uh, and it's a foreign movie, too. That might be cool. Maybe we'll get a kaiju pig. Who knows? And then it hit Netflix, and I watched it, and I didn't know it was going to be funny the first time. So, I was just, the comedy absolutely took me out of it the first time I watched it, and I hated this movie. <laughs> and so now, re-watching it for the show this time, the second time around, knowing what I was getting into, being aware that the comedy was coming, that I had a lot more fun with it. If, if you can forgive the kind of 
it takes forever to get to the point kind of storytelling. Like the, the comedy isn't that bad. The mo- there's some pretty good monster moments in it. The baby pigs at the end are really cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you of, think, Michael? Well, what did you in, think? Well, in terms of the comedy, um, I actually had one bit that I found really funny for some reason when I watched this. This was, this was my first time watching it, so I went in with like no expectations, and so I was pretty okay with the comedy. But um, the bit where... Uh, oh, and I just want to say the way that meat-eating is portrayed in this movie is really uh, interesting because it made me very sick and disgusted with the characters kind of kind of an interesting thing I think the director was going for, like showing, uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, there's a scene where they're talking and they're cooking a fish on the, uh, on the pan, and they're like, oh, it's really fresh. And then the fish uh, splash, splashes the hot oil all over them. I don't know. I thought that was pretty hilarious for some reason. Yeah, it, uh, it, it kept happening, right? Like, over yeah. and over. Yeah. I just thought it was ridiculous that it, it like just still kept happening and the fish was still splashing him it was so cartoonish um one thing i did not find funny was uh when they were on their little pig hunt or whatever and um someone uh someone gets trapped someone gets in a trap and um they're suspended in midair and everyone's laughing and you know they they think it's so funny and then the person uh lands on their neck really hard and he's clearly <laughs> injured quite badly you know he he could like have broken his neck or gotten a severe concussion and they all just laugh their heads off and i thought that was a bizarre moment in this otherwise perfectly normal film um but yeah no i thought it was a pretty solid flick um i just i didn't like seeing the little baby uh boar mutated pigs um i didn't like seeing them get hurt or be scared I felt a lot of sympathy for them. Yeah, I, uh, I like I said, I when I started watching it, I was not sure of the comedy. If it was just the tone of it, so strange that I was, it was sort of up and down, and some of the stuff that, like you said, that was supposed to be funny, I was, I didn't quite get. But other stuff that might not have been, they might not have been trying to make funny. I thought was funny, so. I don't know. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It was just my my sense of humor is a little bit different. But uh, yeah, I I agree with you for the most part. I, that that scene with the fish did stand out to me too. The first time I watched it, and it was almost one of those things where like it was comical because it happened so many. It happened like three or four times. It felt like it it just kept going. Like every like time, like sideshow, like sideshow yeah. Bob stepping on the rake on The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just keeps going and going. And I have a feeling that one's funny on different levels in different cultures. Like I, I, again, I don't know, but you know, the, those fish are being cooked alive in that scene, and it's. I would guess it's funny on to their native audience that's like, ah, these guys are getting splashed with hot oil. And to us watching it is like, fuck you. Nature's paying you back for cooking yeah. alive. Yeah. This was the first of two movies that we watched that has uh, pit bulldogs. I like that about it. 
Yeah, I'm always for dogs as long as they live through the movie. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That was I like that uh, one of the dogs had a telepathic link with the guy. That was uh, that was cool. I also thought the end credits were adorable. Thumbs up. Uh, anybody have anything else, or I think we've talked this one out. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can go ahead and move on to the the next one. I saw yeah. the devil. Everybody, yeah. did you, you did. You saw him. I <laughs> 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 knew that one was coming sometime. Um, <laughs> I guess I can. All right, I do want it's to about <laughs> talk about this a, one. Uh, Basically, it's a a really long uh, serial killer film slash revenge film all in one. Uh, fucking love this movie. Uh, oh, watched it several years back and loved it then. So I was excited to make a few of you guys watch it <laughs> for this. Um, who hadn't seen it anyway. Uh basic premise is we start the movie with a girl who has a flat or some sort of tire issue so she's pulled over on the side of the road with her car running waiting for the tow truck to come and up pulls this guy in a like student driver uh, van uh, getting there to assist her and he's super creepy and all the while she's on the phone with her fiance and long story short he ends up uh, bludgeoning her with was it a hammer or a tire iron something some sort of object and dragging her into his car and then we see see them at his murder den uh taking zero you know not giving any shits about her being pregnant or anything that's just that's one of the worst scenes I think oh man because she's just she's you know she's just laying there 100% vulnerable she's just naked and stripped of everything and he's got her arm strapped like he's gonna start chopping her up and you know, she's just crying, saying that she's pregnant, and he looks at her for two seconds with his blank, unempathetic look, and then just chops her fucking head off. Awful. But I also love that kind of stuff, so it's fine. Um, I like I like weird true crime serial killer stuff, so maybe that's why I like this movie so much. Um... Then they find her head, and um, her boyfriend slash fiance is apparently some agent, and he takes two weeks off from work to track down her killer, and then basically play um, catch and release with him until he's decided he's done torturing him until he done fucks up and makes a mistake <laughs> gets a little taste of his own medicine 
Yeah. He learns that you, you know, eventually it could bite back. For sure. But this one is, uh, is fucking brutal. It's a, I don't know, it's a good, good mix of horror. It has, it's mostly, I would say, first and foremost, a lot of people would call it an action film, but there's truly horrifying elements to it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Lots of bloodshed, lots of mm-hmm. vengeance. It's, I, I've seen this one, I saw this one years, years ago, I watched it, it used to do this sort of hang out with a group of friends like most of you do and it's like on a Sunday we'd, we'd pick a fucked up movie we hadn't heard of or we, we had heard of but we hadn't seen yet and we'd all sort of experience it together and this was like one that blew us all away and I was telling everyone to check out and I've you know so many of my friends know this one because I you know I spread the word to them and they spread the word to a friend and it's just I don't think I don't know anyone that doesn't enjoy this movie this was my first time seeing it ever and but I've always heard heard good stuff about it and and yeah, I loved it. It was amazing. Such a great movie. The uh the killer in the movie, the the main bad guy in the movie, for some reason during some of his shenanigans it reminded me of like the alien from The Hidden. Just the fact that in the hidden, um, when like the alien creature, slug creatures possessing, whether it's like Chris Mulkey or uh, the big heavy set guy that he possesses after Mulkey, um, he just does what he wants and doesn't give a fuck of any consequences. And that there's a lot of moments in this movie that uh, the the killer is kind of doing. The, to me, it's the, the same thing. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's broad daylight. He'll just go in and, like, you know, kill his own doctor and then try to rape the doctor's nurse right there in the office. You know, no big deal. Or just As beat, one does. Yeah. Or beating the shit out of a guy in broad daylight in a, in a men's bathroom. You know. Just did not give a, a fuck about anything. Yeah, this uh, was the second time I've seen this. Uh, I saw it when it first came out. I'm not a huge fan of these Korean revenge films. Um, I mean, I think Old Boy is so bland it barely overcomes its uh, twist ending. But, yeah, I don't care for Old Boy. (laughs) So, I'm not a huge fan of these kinds of films, but this is the one that I've always really enjoyed. And maybe it's Maybe it's the brutality involved. Maybe it's, you know, the fact that I love the way that it plays out in the final half where he gets the tracking chip out and then starts fooling with the agent who was playing with him the entire time. Yeah. By consuming a lot of um, laxatives that he kills a doctor over. Or like a pharmacist. Yeah. Yeah, no. To me, this has always been the one that I've always enjoyed. So yeah, it was always, it's great to revisit this one. It's I got I got to add this to my collection somehow. But, yeah, normally Korean revenge films don't interest me that much, but this one does and I've never been able to figure out why. Cuz it's good. It's fucking good. I mean, well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's more than just revenge. Like you've got 
it's a two-sided film, really, because you're seeing so much from the serial killer side of things. It makes it much more interesting. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, definitely the the over-the-top violence is one of the things that really catches my attention. But uh, more than anything else, you know, out of you know, no matter what uh, what country it's from, what what country the reve- revenge film is from. I've I've never seen such an intelligent, um, um, well executed up until like the laxative scene, of course, um, revenge plot ever. Just like wait for him to about ready to kill somebody or rape somebody, and then go in and beat the shit out of him, and then leave, let him do it again just to beat the shit out of him. Almost like trying to condition him into uh, not being such an evil fuck. So I, I don't know. I loved the whole the whole. Um, the whole concept of you know tracking him and just following him around and always having the upper hand and you know of course until Only he doesn't back, but, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. until it backfires but then when it does backfire it's just as equally captivating oh yeah jesus and that moment at the end man like we're like at what point can he get his revenge because like the killer just doesn't give a fuck you know, you're not going to scare him into... And, and then when it comes out, how he finally does it... Because I had forgotten at that point. Yeah. Like, this movie's like, what? Two, two and, and a half, half hours, hours long. long? And so by the time, you know, spoiler alert, when we get to uh, the ending there where his son's walking... His son and his parents are walking in on him. And I'm like, oh my god, I totally forgot he had a son and, and, and his parents, you know? And I'm like, there you go, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. So there's that brief moment right before he gets his head chopped off where it's like, he got him. Finally got him. He got him. Got him at his core, so. And part of the reason why I think this one works, because, you know, Don was saying he wasn't a typically big fan of the revenge movies, and Tad was saying this is ostensibly an action movie. It's all of those things. Yeah. And other things as well. And this... This is one that had been on my radar for a long time. I would watch it for the first time for the show. Um, I'd heard nothing but gushing praise over this for years. Yep, exactly. But I just was never in the mood for a serial killer movie that took as long as as long to tell as the death of half the universe in Infinity War. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I just put it off and put it off, and so finally this was the excuse of, like, fine, you're going to sit down and watch this fucker. Yep. And every ten minutes or so, it's like, my God, why did I wait so long? <laughs> There's exactly. so many. Is what When they find the head and that, you know, the rookie cop is yakking, kind of like in Chaws. Um, <laughs> and it's like, wow, okay, where's it going to go from here? I had no idea it was going to be the chief of police kind of unofficially gives his son-in-law the okay, like, here's some information. I know what you're going to do and I want you to do it too, but this is totally off the books. Just go away and don't get caught. And then he just starts fucking with him throughout the movie. But the serial killer is such a psycho yeah, that it doesn't stop him. Like, after the first time he gets fucked up and then let go. He's already realized what's happening to him, but he just doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and not in the way of, like, it makes you... It twists your mind like Tale of Two Sisters does, but again, they're just... To this, there's so many layers mm-hmm. of 
of the serial killer's life, of the cop's life, of what you know the the lengths they're willing to go to, and the killer is going to give himself up to foil the cop of his revenge. Yeah, I thought that was rips crazy. the door off his car and does that crazy, like Fast and the Furious car stunt <laughs> to kidnap the killer again and take him away right in front of his coworkers, and they're like. Did that dude look familiar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, he was badass, man. Like, he was, like, just once the plan went into motion, he just was so, un, you know, no emotion. And that scene, that scene where he realizes after uh, the killer, er, after the killer gets away and he realizes where he went and he goes, shows up at the chief of police's house and it's just like one cop tries to stop him, and he beats the shit out of him. Then another cop walks up, beats the shit out of him, without like mis- missing a step towards the house. It's just one walks up, pow, 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 keep walking, keep walking, pow, 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 pow. That, that guy was awesome. Yeah, and that that stunt with the car ripping his own car door off and dragging the guy into the car was amazing. So yeah, cool. The, cow- the cat and mouse stuff was awesome. I really liked the scenes um, when God, I can't even remember what the serial killer's name was, but when he ends up at his friend's quote unquote house with the other two killers, other two scumbags, yeah, yeah. The cannibals, the cannibals, yeah. yeah. Um, the scenes in that house were a lot of fun, and although the those people were psychos. The the other guy was very darkly humorous. For <laughs> he he was an interesting character, but oh, yeah. I thought that was kind of a like I don't know. I thought that was probably the most unrealistic part of all of it. Like I don't feel like serial killers mingle with each other. <laughs> like well, I guess not they just, have a social just, network. Right. I mean, they can have friends too. <laughs> sure, but I don't know. Like that seemed it seemed a little silly, but I accepted it because hey, you know. Hey, Charles Manson had a lot of friends. Okay. Yeah, Dahmer and Gacy used to have tea parties. Yeah. <laughs> like they have fucking murder Twitter or something, and they just all keep in touch. Like, hey, I need a ride. Can you pick me up? <laughs> Speaking of which, when the, he gets picked up by proto Uber driver guy. Oh, oh man, yeah. that's who, who has who now has two extremely creepy dudes in his cab and is is talking to essentially make himself feel better. Kind of a whistling past the graveyard uh, moment there when the cab driver clearly knows he's in danger and is just trying to stay chipper, hoping he will get these people to their drop off point before they stab him. And then it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah, that scene was just ridiculous. So I thought the I thought the cab driver was in on it. Like I think that he had killed the real cab driver, and he oh, was that's in the right, because there was a body in the trunk. That's right. Yeah, See, and there's that the ID that they, Yeah, there's the because... ID that the camera shows of the the original cab driver. Sorry. Oh. That makes so much more sense. Thank you. Yeah, I forgot I about totally that. I totally missed... Yeah, I know they look at the ID, but for some reason that didn't click in my brain. And I was thinking, like, the passenger in the back seat loaded a dead body in the trunk without the cab driver seeing. 
and was just completely oblivious to what was happening. That's what I was imagining. <laughs> so that was a, that was a separate body because when I first saw it, I thought that was him putting the bodies of one of the guys that he just killed in the back back of the trunk. That was no, another. It was a separate one. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I think he just left the bodies in the car oh, after he wrecked it into the tree. Yeah. Oh, because I I had always thought that he left one of the bot that he put the bodies in the back to avoid sus- to avoid suspicion. No, yep, oh. it was an, a whole nother dead one. <laughs> According to this movie, like seventy five percent of the population of South Korea are serial killers. So. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> and also uh, I think the Academy Award should go to the foley artist of this movie. <laughs> That f- the freaking metal pipe to the head sound effect. Oh, ow, oh my god. Yeah. All the fucking head trauma in general. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I have brutal in like every line of my notes. The word brutal, every. I just can't get over it. Yeah. It's just not a normal thing you see in movies. It's just so much. Oh my gosh. I think that car seat, like the cab scene, is like the worst though, because it's just like one constant panning, like circling him, just continually stabbing those dudes. It was insane. Oh yeah, it was like stab, stab, slice, turn around, stab, stab, slice, turn around, stab, stab, slice. Was that all? It was all just one continuous shot, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked like, yeah, yeah. There's, looked yeah. like it. Yeah, no yeah that's what they said it was. It was one take. It was like not one take, but it was like one shot. It was as if they were saying, hey, you thought that hammer thing in the hallway in Old Boy was uh, <laughs> fucked up? <laughs> yeah. Here, here's a knife fight in the in the tiny little subcompact taxi cab. Very awesome. I like how he uh, he sort of admires those guys afterwards. Like he says, those crazy bastards, you know. <laughs> but he's not, he's not like mad about it at all. He's just laughing and, as he's getting the stuff from the cab. Yeah. So he can he can admire it like ah oh, those those crazy psychos yeah yeah like maybe they could have been my other serial killer friends and we could have all <laughs> hung out together at the other house <laughs> right if I didn't have to kill them how did he uh, how did he get to the house like there was this like line of military guys or something like the military transport people and I thought like I was confused on if he killed all of them or I don't know. I, <laughs> I yeah, know there is kind there. of a weird transition there. Or I, I thought he was like, I like, I don't know. He didn't want to talk to them either. They were asking, "Sir, do you need help? Is your car, your, your car seems to be stalled or something?" I don't, I don't know. I forgot how he got there. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember there being kind of. A, it seems like it was a quick shot to him being with the friends, and I don't remember how if he hmm. called them maybe or. I don't know. Well, this was my uh, second time watching the film. I, uh, I I was doing this thing with Netflix where I was adding movies to my queue without reading the description or anything, just going off the titles. And, you know, back then they had five stars as the option. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it said, it said this was five stars for me. Um, and I just thought by the title it would be some sort of, you know, a horror film based on satanic themes or something. Uh, and so I, was, I watched it kind of not knowing what to expect. And what I got was so much cooler and uh, scarier than what I expected because of the, the brutality of the killings displayed in the film. Um, 
the thing that stuck with me the most on this watch was the fact that um, he had a job with the school, and he he blended in plain sight. Like mm-hmm. on, in the first scene of the movie, when he's he's asking the girl um, if he, if she needs help with her car, um, his face doesn't look. I mean, he's he, you know it's always creepy when some stranger comes up to your car and you can't drive away. But his he doesn't look that threatening. I guess you could say you know he has like a, a kindly old doughy fat man sort of face um <laughs> and then and then he he turns into a, a total fucking monster at the drop of a dime like that actor just did an incredible job um but yeah. it just it stuck with me that he had a job driving kids around uh, well that's realistic yeah. though that's how most serial killers are yeah they just, just blend horrible. in Ugh. He's throughout this movie. He looks like a an animal, like like who can't control his base instincts and stuff. But just thinking about the 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 implied backstory of the character is almost more frightening. Um, yeah. Well, maybe not more frightening, but it's very frightening to think about. Yeah, the scene where it's like, where is he? He's driving the kids. It's like, oh fuck. Ugh. Mm-hmm. But of course, that whole movie, like any scene with him, it's like, oh fuck. There's never like a there's never a point where it's like, oh, we're getting a break here. Like that's what's crazy about how, you know, long it is. But it's it's not a. I was, I don't know. I sort of held off. I've I've seen this one before and I knew I loved it, but it's like, oh, you know, I had to dedicate the time to this one. But as soon as I start watching it, it felt like it goes by faster than some even you know Chaw or any any of the others. Just yeah, because definitely. Of the damn Agreed. Good. Yeah. yeah. So it I sure think does. everybody loved this one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is my favorite one from from the movies we watched by far. So. Mine too. Mhm. Yeah, same here. And he cut the Achilles. Oh yeah. Oh. Holy yeah. fuck! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I always forget about I've yeah. I was really mad when that happened because I had completely forgotten that it did, and I hate it when <laughs> movies do that. <sighs> and it's just so much more brutal in this movie than it usually is. Everything is. Ugh. Well, true. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of gore in this movie, but none of it seems like it's there for for titillation to like to be just here's some gore. Like it it always is a punctuation. Yeah. To how nasty the events are going. So yeah, every time there's blood, it just makes things so much worse. And uh, Don Michael did did the serial killer's parents to you kind of give you flashbacks to Godzilla versus Gigan a little bit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, was kind of. I th- I thought there was some kind of a hidden dig at one of those movies, but. <laughs> Like I don't think it was intentional on the filmmakers' part. It just made me think of you know when, yeah. they, go, when they go to uh, when the, the chairman's house and the right, father yeah. says like no he died in a car accident six months ago and he was always kind of a loser. <laughs> just <laughs> just their reaction to these investigators asking them about their wayward child <laughs> kind of gave me the same vibe. Yeah. Did we mention it was the same director as? A- Tale of Two Sisters. I was gonna ask somebody. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it is. I missed that. Holy shit! 
Uh, that's like, I think they're like tied for me in terms of the movies we watched for this episode. Yeah, I was. I, I love mean, I, both. I, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing because I really like. I saw the devil, and but God, I don't know. I'm not gonna rank them. I hate ranking shit. They're, they're, they're both good. They're both good <laughs> movies. Just I saw the devil it, is more in my wheelhouse. I feel like. Sure. You know. It's more of the type of movie I, I enjoy, so. Should let everyone know that you can see A Tale of Two Sisters, I Saw the Devil, and Chaw on Shudder. Shudder! And Pulgasari on YouTube. On YouTube. And also, if you look um, for Pulgasari on YouTube, um, there's this there's this show on the uh, Roku channel, um, OSI74. Which I've tried to look for and add to my Roku, and I can't find it. Oh, really? So I don't know if there's some, like when I just search OSI 74 and nothing comes up. Mm, I'll look and see if there's some, you know, I'll, I'll help you out. Pick but, up the right numbers and letters. Yeah, I'm probably saying it all backwards. But anyway, there's a show on there hosted by Sleazy, Sleazy P. Martini, the uh, the fake manager of the band Gwar. And it's <laughs> called Sle- Sleazy Pictures After Dark. And so it's basically, he's a TV horror host. He's awesome. like, introduces these movies and talks about the movies and shows these movies. He takes it a little bit into the MST3K realm while he'll continually pop, do pop, there'll be like little pop-up videos of him making, you know, lewd and crude comments. So it's like MST3K, but, uh, you know, a little bit more Beavis and Butthead dumbed down type humor. <laughs> and I totally want to watch that version of it. And I would just like to add, for those playing along at home, adding Pulgasari to this list was not my idea. <laughs> right. When it was when it was brought up, I specifically said, you know, that's not really a horror movie. I don't want to make people think this is like Brian takes over the show and talks about giant monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally. I, did, wa- I didn't do this. I totally wanted it on the list. It's important I- for the Korea. Yeah, history and sure. Yeah, that. Well, and <laughs> but you can also find that version of Pulgasari with Sleazy P on um, YouTube as well. I think. Oh, nice. Some of his episodes are on YouTube. So. All right. So, um, honorable mentions. What are other? What are some other good Korean horror films out there? Um, well, I know, Brian, I know you really want to talk about uh, Yungari. <laughs> that was the literally the only other one I think I've seen other than The Wailing, so yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, unfortunately I can't in- indulge with you on that one. That's coming up on my next show, so I have to save okay. thoughts for that. On the next uh, Underwater Kaiju from Outer yeah, Space? Okay. Yeah, that, we're, covering that, we're covering that on that episode, so... Sweet. I, yeah. But um, two more that I caught just because I have to, you know, play into what's going on here. Um, I ended up catching one on uh, Voodoo called Dead Friend. Okay. Yeah, apparently it's also, um, there's a DVD release I was looking up on it. It's, there's a DVD release where it's called The Ghost. Oh, um, okay, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's about this uh, girl suffering from amnesia who uh, is apparently shocked to find that this ghost is going around killing the people that 
she was told were in her clique of friends back before she lost her memory. And apparently it involves some kind of accident that actually triggered the amnesia in the first place. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really solid ghost story. You might actually like it because it's only an hour and a half. Works for me. Yeah, um, it's on Voodoo under the uh, Movies for Us section. Okay. So uh, you play like an ad or two for like 20 seconds and then the movie starts because I was looking for another film on the show for our show actually that I was told was on there but I couldn't find it and I found this instead so I figured eh, what the hell nice nice. yeah so uh, really good kind of a uh, mix between Juwan and Darkwater which is how they just they sell it okay you know long haired ghost girl you know kind of like a lot of watery themes with the ghost scares so yeah, uh, definitely check that one out if you can. I really liked it. All right, sounds good. What else? Who else? Um, I know Brian briefly mentioned it, but The Wailing is amazing. I think that was... We talked about that one in more detail with one of our year-end lists, I think. Yeah, yeah, that, was yeah. A, that, that tied Train to Busan for my top two and three spot on the 2016 year-end episode. Yeah. And that, yeah, that one and Train to Busan was the other one I was going to shout out. But mm-hmm. I love that movie. I need to see Wailing as much as you guys praised it. And as much as I love Train to Busan, I have a feeling like... It's very different. I mean, it's oh, much more yeah. in, in... Wailing the, is much more of a slow burn. Yeah, It's it, longer, it, but it's really, really good. It's easily as long as I saw the devil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I, I hear too. It's much more of a um, tug on the emotions type movie. Of course, yeah, there was some yeah. of that in Train to Busan too, I guess. So, yeah, Jason, what about you? I think Train to Busan is the only other one I've seen. Oh, okay. I, old boy, I've still yet to watch. Meh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 and that was a trilogy, right? I've actually never seen any of those. It's like. Old yes. Boy and Lady Vengeance and another one. I forget what the <laughs> I think third one I is. Can't remember. <laughs> I think it's Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. right. I think it's Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Uh, uh, I, sympathy for Mister Vengeance, I think. Oh, it's Mister. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah sympathy for Mister Vengeance. Okay. Lady Vengeance is a little more of a straightforward. It's been a long time since I've seen those three. Um, Old Boy is the one that probably sticks out the most. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is basically just this guy has every imaginable thing possible go wrong for him. I know Jason said in the past, like, you have a hard time watching movies where just every scene, it gets worse for your protagonist. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is like the culmination of that <laughs> storytelling <laughs> style. It's, it's hard to watch, but it's really good. It's hard to watch in a good way. Like that. <clears throat> cool. Uh, the only other ones that haven't been mentioned that were on my list were um, the um, the three extreme movies. That's what oh, I was going to say. Those are oh, good, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. The Park Chan Wok segments are really good, yeah. No, uh, Kim Ji Woon, he actually did, I think in part two, he did one of, I think he did one of the segments too. I think Kim Ji Woon from um, I Saw the Devil, I think he did one of the segments in part two. 
Because mm. he handled the Korean, the South Korean segment. Because mm. yeah, Chan Woo Park did um, the first one, and then in part two, I think that's uh, Kim Ji Woo. I think I've only seen the first one. The one with the Takashi Miike segment, right? Yeah, which is why I've yeah. seen it because I'm a big Miike fan, so. Which is actually funny because that one was actually the second one filmed, but the first one released. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, that was yeah. That's if you look around on the internet, you'll find that it's actually three. There's that's actually part two, but it's released in America first because the production date on that one is 2004. The production date on the first uh-huh. on part two you'll find is 2002. Look into it. It's like the I, I don't know that I've seen the one that is labeled part two, but I remember when Three Extremes came out, that was another one I'd heard about. Like, I knew it was on the way, and I was working at a record store at the time, and we got, like, these big boxes of uh, promo materials, and we actually got, we, we wound up getting sent a lot of movie screeners, even though we didn't really sell movies. So whenever we got movie screeners, my boss knew I was a big movie nerd and just gave them to me. <laughs> so I got to see Three Extremes, like, way early and that was pretty exciting it's like the Jackie Chan movies um, Armor of God they did that also like part 2 was released yeah. as part 1 in the states and yeah. vice versa cool Any yeah. anybody else got any others uh, the host oh yeah the yeah. host yeah the, uh, the scene where where it appears on land for the first time just like that's still Occasionally, I'll still think about it and just get the chills. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's in daylight, and they they totally nailed the yeah. the horror of it all. What is it's in daylight? It's CGI. It's like yeah. what twelve, thirteen years old at this point, and it still looks good. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, for for what Jurassic Park's catering budget probably was. This <laughs> is <laughs> one of those like, why doesn't it all look like this? I I think one of the things that makes that so creepy and so powerful with that particular monster is that I'm not, I hate CGI monsters that are just crazy looking to be crazy looking. And there's no basis of like real physics involved in it. That's one of the reasons why I have an issue with the monster in Cloverfield. He's got like these giant toothpick legs. You just, can't you just knock him over? But, um, but this thing is a sloppy mess of a monster, but he moves like a sloppy mess of a monster. Like, he's obviously all, like, deformed and whatnot, and he doesn't move smooth and run super fast and be able to, you know, do all these things you normally see, like, CGI monsters do. Um, he He's constantly tripping over things and running into things, because he's this he's a deformed creature and i think that's one of the things for me that makes that monster so um so great and impactful absolutely it looks like it just the fact of it existing makes it hurt yeah yeah (laughs) and that it is damaging itself almost as much as its victims when it's thrashing around yeah just made me think of shin godzilla sorry but yeah you know the first form when kamatakun is gushing blood out of his gills every time he takes a step, yeah. Yeah, yep. Sweet. Alright then, well, I think that's it. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back uh, we'll do some segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast, so stay tuned. (laughs) 
It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. And we're back, and it's segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast, and time for everybody's favorite segment, Shoutouts. It's time for... Shoutouts! 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 Okay, just ask what your favorite Korean horror films were, and got a lot of responses on Facebook. Up first we got Kier Arts says, Save the Green Planet. Sci-fi take on misery. Really? Hmm. Interesting. That was that title um, that I asked you about when we were in Des Moines, Brian. Save the Green Planet? Yeah, I think so, wasn't it? You said you you hadn't hadn't seen it. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I don't remember. Like, I remember us talking, standing outside Talk Apocalypse, but I thought it was something else, but I could be wrong. Or maybe it was something else. I don't know. They go on to say uh, Train to Basan, Our Point, The Wailing, and Whispering Corridors. Ooh, I love that. I love that series. I don't know why I forgot about those, the Whispering Corridors films. Those are good. And our point comes up a few times. Anybody? I've seen the cover. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've seen the cover too. Our buddy Gerald Martin says, A Tale of Two Sisters. Woo, fucking awesome. Um, good old Lil Wayne White says, Train to Basan, because it's a zombie movie with characters I actually care about. The, <laughs> the host, because it's probably a lot of people's intro to K-horror. Our point, because it's it was... His intro to K-Horror. I saw the devil. The knife attack in the car should be enough to make that a horror movie. Um, And the good, the bad, and the weird. Which is more of a kimchi western. But but it's an insane movie that everyone should see. And does include a character called the Finger Chopper. (laughs) Yeah, totally not horror, but that movie is awesome. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Robin Goodfellow says, The Wig, by far. Uh, any film about a haunted hairpiece made of a dude's gay lover is A-OK with me. <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong, yeah. That's a fun one. I have to see that now, just based on the description. Says, I think it's on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube if you want to f- look for it. Oh, okay. The Wig. The wig. Yeah, um... I wish it was the title, um... I think it's t- uh, the original title is uh, Cigar or something like that. I'd have to look for it. I- I've seen it before. I know what she's talking about. I wonder what year it was made. If we need to get our lawyers on the line, because two thousand five, two thousand five, and we made a film about a possessed wig once, and it was called Hell to Pay. Hell to Pay. <laughs> oh, like Simpsons shirt? T O P A Y. Was Simpsons ripped us off too? Oh. Yeah, they ripped us off on uh, one of the Treehouse of Horror segments back in the 90s. They actually used the title Hell to Pay. Snake becomes po- Homer becomes possessed by Snake's toupee. Damn it. So shit, we better not 
I'll delete that part. Anyway, so uh, Robin also says, Phone is also great. A Tale of Two Sisters. Phone? Anybody see Phone? Nope. I have one. Yep. <laughs> uh, Dustin Krutzinger says, Train to Basan. Andrew Moeller says, The Host. Train to Basan, Our Point, and I Saw the Devil. Leo Redmond says, The Host, A Tale of Two Sisters, and Cello. Cello? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Cello. another good one, too. I've, I've seen that one, too. Yeah, I think it's a, um, a woman buys a... Uh, or a, I, She buys a uh, musical instrument for her daughter, and it turns out that the ghostly owner who died when... Who died... W- um, possesses it and goes around killing others that are trying to take it away from her, I believe. Cool. So it's a band geek version of the eye. <laughs> oh, Something like that, yeah. Um, it's been a while. That was one of the first ones I saw. It. I haven't seen it since back in like the 2000s or so when it came out. Up next we got Genius McGee. The Nightmare Ooh. Junkhead podcast. He says, Train to Busan, the host, and I saw the devil. Jim C. Faust Jr. says, Train to Busan. Sarah Honeycutt says, Tale of Two Sisters. Devil is another. Devil. And BJ Honeycutt was one of the characters from Man. Oh my god. <laughs> Tying it together. <laughs> oh, Should have known. Uh, t- our pal Tim Lennerer says, I'm a big fan of The Wailing and Train to Busan, but I want to give a shout-out to Terror Taxi, because I swear there's a K-pop version of Have I the Right playing on a radio before a fat ghost beats two policemen to death with a hammer. That sounds by amazing, Joe Meek, too. Parted by the honeycombs, of course. He Tim says, would bring Joe Meek to it. My, my <laughs> kingdom for a soundtrack disc, he says. <laughs> So he could put it on the B-Fest mix CD for Tony. That's, that's all he really wants, right? <laughs> um, we got Lisa Marie. She says, White, where the K-pop girl group machine goes very wrong. White. Don't know that one. No. Uh, I've seen it around, but I've never seen it. I assume you, that's W-I-G-H-T and not W-H-I-T-E. Right. Well, they spelled it W H I T E. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I was assuming white as a ghost, not white as the color. But okay. Ah. Uh, please clarify, Lisa Marie. Send us an IMDb and link. M A R Y. I'm getting uh, probably Lisa Mary uh, from B Fest. Hello, Lisa. Lisa. Thank you for chiming in. Yeah. Jasmine Martinez says, "Old boy, thirst, thirst." Anybody? Oh, the uh, vampire film from uh, Park Chan-wook. Hmm. I'm familiar with the Australian vampire movie of the same name. but Oh, this this one's a really good one. It's about a, a priest who becomes bitten by a vampire and he starts undergoing the changes, but he tries to keep it hidden from his colleagues. So he like acts like a vampire, but he tries to keep it hidden. That sounds fantastic. I need to oh. see this movie. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. Jasmine also says, The Wailing, Cello, A Tale of Two Sisters, Alone, I Saw the Mm -hmm. Devil, End of April, and The Handmaiden. Man, apparently I need to see more Korean horror films. Yeah. 
I've heard some stuff about The Handmaiden, that it is Yeah, that's a more recent one, up. isn't it? Yeah, it came up within the last year or two, I think. Yeah. You mean The Handmaiden's Tale, the Netflix series? Or? No. <laughs> no. No. Oh, there's a different there, thing. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, oh, a movie okay. called The Handmaiden. That was oh. supposed to be recent. Uh, Jasmine goes on to say, Train of Basan and Our Point are good as well. And then Lisa Mary chimes back in and says, The Handmaiden was awesome. So she knows. And that's all we have on Facebook, and we didn't have anything over on Twitter today, but just remember, you can always uh, call in and leave us a voicemail at 415-952-6857 or... 415-95-AOTKP. You leave us your comments, and we'll put that on the show. But uh, that's what we got for shout-outs. And now, the man who thinks Bebimbop is a mutant warthog who fights the Ninja Turtles, it's Insane <laughs> Mike Saunders and Insane Picks. <laughs> Why, thank you. Okay, so for Insane's Picks, I'm, um, recently over the past uh, past few weeks, I've uh, built up the uh, DVD and Blu-ray collection, so I've been going through some stuff I've picked up recently. Um, and so in- instead of talking about The Dark Backward again, um, <laughs> I decided to go with another one I recently watched from that pile, uh, The House That October Built Part 2 from 2017. Uh, directed by Bobby Bobby Rowe, who directed the first one. Now, I really enjoyed the first one a lot, and the second one is is just kind of more of the exact same thing as the first one, to be honest. Um, but what what I enjoy about these movies, um, I just love the atmosphere of Halloween time, and um, uh, when you have your location in, of your movie in a in a fun house or a um, a, haunt, a haunted attraction type of environment, like you know, like the movie Fun House or what have you, um, I'm sold. You know, so so that's what makes these movies so great. That they for the first half of these movies, it's more of just a fun documentary of these guys going around or going across the country checking out different haunted attractions. And um, as a narrative, these films really kind of lack because they don't really get into um, said storyline or plot until, you know, close to probably about the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. But it's the whole haunted attraction aesthetic that really sells me on these movies. And uh, when they do get to the storyline or plot, it almost is almost kind of gets in the way of, of, of what I enjoy watching these movies for. But this one... This one takes it up a notch um, by going. They go to like this really amazing zombie run. I, I, I wish I could remember where it was. They said it, said it was at because it was incredible. Like they had this like whole area that was underwater um, that had like cars in the water and stuff. Building like this uh, dilapidated building that was on fire, and it was just like this whole like two or three two or three city blocks of of stuff that was set up just for the zombie run. Uh, they, were, they were in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the uh, brain-eating competition. Um, they went to the Halloween capital of the world, haunted hayrides, all kinds of different places in, the, in this movie. Um, so I could just watch the whole movie of just that. Uh, now, 
so the story of this of this movie, or both of these movies actually, um, is, you know, the first movie starts off, it's this group of friends that are um, going around the country trying to find the most extreme um, haunted attractions. And then it kind of all unravels and goes horribly wrong from there. So in this one, uh, these same group of friends decide they're going to do it again. Um, because this time they've gained some fame and notoriety from the events that happened in the first film after they've gone viral. See, at the end of the first movie, um, the, the lead actress of the movie, uh, she gets kidnapped by this group calling themselves the Blue Skeletons, and uh, she gets buried alive at the end of the movie. And um, so in this movie, they want to have Brandy come along with them as well, but she refuses to go with them at first after being traumatized uh, uh, from the last Halloween uh, trip that they took. So um, it, took, it took a while to convince her, but they finally get her on board. Uh, and they, they're persistent because like there's some places that will pay them just to go to the attraction, but they have to bring uh, Brandy, or as they refer to her as Coffin Girl, they have to have her with them. So they finally talk her into going. And... So they go through all these different locations and stuff, and throughout the whole movie, they're they're unknowingly being stalked by someone or something, until we get towards the end of the film where where um, where sh you know shit goes bad. Um, not to try to give uh, I don't want to give anything away if anybody's interested in seeing these movies, but uh, um, you know it's it's all in the it's all in the um, um, fun of trying to be the most extreme haunts. Um, but uh, yeah, things go way off the rails towards the end of the movie. So, um, I, yeah, these movies are fun. It's all done. It's all found footage style movies. Um, um, so whatever you think of that. But uh, these ones are a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed how... You know, they didn't really stray from their formula with the second movie. So, if you dig this kind of stuff, I would definitely recommend checking out House That October Built Part 2. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, it's not bad. I kind of liked it. Um, I think Part 1 is just a little bit better. But, yeah, I, I kind of like this, this one, too. I seem to be on the minority saying it's really good because I've heard a lot of people saying it's kind of just bland. This one or, the, or both of them? They, they don't... They think this one's just basically like a rehash of part one, like you said, so they find it bland, but... Yeah, in some circumstances of a film, I... You know, that would bother me, but it doesn't bother me with this one for some... Yeah, no, I, I kind of like it reason. too because I... Because, yeah, I think a lot of... Because I think these has better attractions that they visit... Yeah, yeah. that's the thing that holds me up, is the fact that I actually think the attractions they visit here are better than, they want, than the ones in the first film. Oh, definitely. That, I, that yeah, zombie run part, was amazing. Oh, that is incredible. I, I, I would even want to try that out, and I'm not a haunted attractionist at all. I'm, I don't go for those at all, but I would try that out for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the one at the end where it's the party with the concerts and, you know, they're all on stage with that uh, that pie-eating contest. Yeah. Yeah, that was another cool one. I, I mean, saying, I, I think the attractions here are a lot better. They're a lot more, like, I guess you could say, um, like, immersive, kind of. 
Sure. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of like this one. I think part one's just a little bit better because I think the scares in it are a little better done, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like this one, too. Yeah, and it gets, you know, the whole thing at the end is a little bit convoluted, you know? It yeah. kind of feels like yeah, that could do... that. You know, the plan behind that could derail super easily, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I think if... Yeah, if you take the attractions from this one but then merge it on with the torture that you get from the first one, I think that is one of the finest movies. That is a that would be a fantastic movie. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I feel, There's definitely a lot more creep element in the first movie. It feels like, you know, there's the when they're being stalked in the first movie, that's a more apparent. And, right, yeah. And it's more drawn out when we get into the third act of the film, where here it's like they just kind of show up at that last haunt, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I'm saying I, I'm in the minority. I kind of like it. I mean, you could do a lot worse in the genre, I think. But yeah, yeah, I love them, and I, I wouldn't yeah. bother me if they ended up doing a part three. So, you know, bring it on. So it's good stuff. Yeah. All right, so that is it, folks. That concludes another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to also uh, give a special thanks to our uh, Patreon donators. Um, you guys uh, keep this show going strong. So, And if you too want to be a Patreon donator, um, please go to uh, patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Uh, I want to thank um, Michael and Don for being hey, on. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's awesome of you guys to You're be welcome. on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, be sure to check out the Horror Mafia podcast that Don is on. Um, uh, do you guys have anything you would w- like to plug here at the end? Um, yeah, like I said, just uh, follow us on uh, Facebook. We have a uh, page you can like and a uh, group to join. Um, we are going to have a couple of uh, very special big episodes coming up that uh, you're going to want to look for. Um in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing, um, in one episode, a retrospective of both Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street. I cannot wait to hear that one, because I'm just excited to hear how you guys even managed to cram all that shit into one show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no and, doubt. Uh, and uh, later in the year, um, we're going to be doing a Top 25 of 1980. Cool. We're going to be doing that in December, so uh, yeah, the uh, Definitely, those are going to be some fun ones. We have uh, some more surprises throughout the year. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, find us on Facebook. Yeah, we're pretty easy. Or pretty easy to find, I should say. Ah. <laughs> he said what he said. He said what he said. Yeah, I caught myself. I caught myself. <laughs> hey, Michael, did I hear that uh, you have a new podcast in the works? What? Um, well, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't exist yet, though. But, uh, <laughs> well, you um, can still sort of give us a uh, something to look forward to. Sure. Well, if if they're still listening, then they're very patient, so they can wait for the uh, <laughs> wait for this podcast to come out too. Um, no, it's just going to be called Musical Myths, and it's basically me and one of my best friends uh, getting together, and I or or one of our guests um, will come up with a story. They're going to write a story, uh, and then the other person will have composed music. Um, so they'll write three to four pieces of music 
um, and then there will be cues in the story for a song to start playing, and we're going to see what happens. Um, <laughs> hopefully there's going to be some tonal uh, mismatch going on, like really silly music for a sad scene. or <laughs> I, I'm kind of hoping for some chaos to occur. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be called Musical Myths. Um, and then I, I do have music that I put out under the name Dermot. That's D-E-R-M-O-T. Um, and I have this album called Pilot, which has a lot of inspiration from the horror movies I liked at the time, like Creepshow, um, Wicker Man, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah, a bunch of, and then some weird Japanese manga. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's what I'd like to plug. Thanks, Tad. Oh yeah, I I had Michael at the Snake Alley Festival film last year and been friends with Michael. We met through our mutual love for Weezer and we realized that Scary. we both have similar tastes in movies as well and um, we continue to be friends through over the years. We've been we've had some um, weird experiences together. Oh. But, um, that, that, that not not in that way, but oh. there's there's some funny <laughs> stories, but um, that would be I'm a easy. podcast. So, yeah, he's easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that, yeah that is a different podcast we'll get into that sometime yeah <laughs> yeah thanks for thanks for having me y'all really appreciate it thanks, thanks for being for on. on yeah so that's it thanks again for listening and we will talk to you all again soon here on attack of the killer podcast bye-bye oh no could this be the end of <laughs> attack of the killer